Hello everybody and welcome to uh, a special episode of Link to the Cast. Not quite a giant size annual. We've decided to rebrand these shows. Uh, I'm calling it The Grap Up which is uh, an occasional podcast we're going to do to talk about all things in the world of professional wrestling. Now, unfortunately, I'm Dave Ryan, your party host, by the way. Uh, Mark Robinson is not here with us uh, on this occasion. He has he has shunned us, but uh, I've brought in some experts to talk about uh, WrestleMania 33 and all things around it. Uh, first off, I have brought in the Roman Reigns of audio that is Jack Lazell. Jack, how are you this evening? Uh, it's my podcast now, Dave. You've taken it over? I have, yes. <laughs> Excellent. But, but... You may now lay your microphone down in the <laughs> center of your room and walk out. <laughs> also joining us on the line, we have the world's leading expert on Ric Flair's social media presence. It's Barry Murphy. Barry, how are you? Not too bad. We're talking wrestling. I I wanted to talk about Yakuza Zero. <laughs> oh man, I have been all up in that game the last few days. Because you you need you need another Irish wrestling fan on here to talk about how great that is. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a running theme on the show. It'd be strange yeah. if we had a week that went by where we weren't talking about how crazy and super Japanese that game is. Yeah, that's part of what motivated me to buy it. Was was Mr. Kevin Mahan's. Uh cameo when you're talking about how great it was i started that it's a hoot that's exactly what sold me as well he's spreading this this sickness around uh making us spend all this money on a on a crazy ass game uh guys let, let's just launch into it here we we it was a long week uh i am fucking exhausted after it uh i was saying over on uh, the dr keith presents show that i've been appearing on the last couple of months that um i had to drink so much Pepsi to get myself through uh, the day of WrestleMania and the day after that I had caffeine headaches for the couple of days afterwards, which is no good. That's that's definitely not a good yeah. thing to be experiencing. Um, how how have you survived, uh, Barry? How, how did you get through the week? Well, I I, I really didn't watch a ton uh, of stuff uh, other than Mania and NXT itself. But I oh God, it was like it was like tiring keeping up with it i mean so obviously i mean there was wrestling starting on the tuesday right so it was like uh, pro wrestling 2.0 i believe it was but it was a very small like trickle of shows uh, tuesday and wednesday then thursday u.s time like friday morning i woke up friday morning and people were live tweeting the joey janela main event right yeah um uh, so that was basically just getting into the ring friday morning when i was waking up and from that moment on, it did not stop. There was there was nonstop live tweeting of shows until Wednesday morning, basically, because people were people were adding shows uh, during the course of WrestleMania weekend. I was like, where are people finding the time, and how are people getting venues this quick? Like Wrestle Circus just added a sh- added a post Mania show. On like Friday or something, they they add yeah. they, on Friday they announced we'll be doing something Sunday night. Like it was just crazy, and I I genuinely couldn't keep up with that. I was like, All right, which 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 show do I do I need to watch? Oh, this one. Oh, what service is this on? Oh, do I have that? Do I, let me know. I'm like getting buried in my receipts, my email receipts for all these subscription services. I don't know where to go. It was crazy, but I, I actually ended up not wa- not actually watching a whole lot. Um, obviously, I, I watched a, a rare instance of me watching Raw was was last week. Mm. Um, obviously, for the for the newsworthiness of it all, but um, I, ge- I geared up. I geared up to watch Progress. Right, 
<laughs> yeah, and, I think we had similar and, tales. Right, so I was like, I'm intrigued by tons of stuff over the weekend. Uh, my my not watching that much stuff, I don't want that to make it seem like, oh, I just wasn't scared. I, I, I was interested in the Janela thing. I was interested in, in the Evolve shows. Uh, I, just, I just don't have a, uh, enough time to try and squeeze all this stuff in, it, but I was it, like, it, I watch every Progress show. It's safe but... to say if there was any given three-hour block over that weekend where you were busy, you probably missed about four shows. That's it, and and I think I think the the what a lot of people like myself have to do is just make make your peace with the fact that you're not going to watch it all. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was like, I still I still haven't watched all of sixteen carrot from from this year, and now I'm about three episodes of Shotgun TV behind as well. So it's like um, there there is a lot of wrestling, which is a good and a bad thing. But um, I watch all the progress shows. I always really really enjoy them. They're like my favorite company going basically, uh, and I was like, well, of course I'll, I'll watch this one. And I had not been keeping up to date on the the who, what, where, and when of where that show was happening and i found out on the day like a lot of people did that it was on wwn and it was not part of any kind of subscription service which is a bummer uh and it would not be going up on demand progress for an indeterminate amount of time at at a time an amount of time that we have still not figured out by the way (laughs) um they they put up their pre-mania show there this uh, uh, last week uh and there is no eta on the orlando show so it's like oh well that's a bummer then I remember WWN's pricing screen, uh, uh, scheme, rather, uh, which there's a reason I haven't ordered from them since, I think, 2013's WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, and the reasons are, one, their inability, the, the, the dumpster fire that was that year's uh, streaming capabilities, and the other one is the pricing. Uh, so it is 15 uh, US dollars for the live viewing only. <laughs> yeah. Now, even... Even before our uh, our VOD heaven that we live in now, where everything's a subscription service, even five years ago, before all that happened, like I think that I think it's a, I always thought that was a ludicrous price to charge for a live only viewing, especially from a company that can't doesn't know their ass from their elbow when it comes to streaming. Yeah, that would and almost was, certainly have to rely on VOD anyway. Absolutely, and I was like, I was on the bus because, and the, the other great thing about Progress was it was like it was like six p.m. on Friday. I was like, that is perfect that is perfect i can get home in time to watch it and i was like on the bus thinking of ordering it's like oh traffic's mad i'm gonna miss the opener and i i cannot live with myself if i spend 20 quid to watch it after the fact so should i just make my piece missing it and buy the buy the live only and then as i tried to log into the wwn site i couldn't remember my password and i was like oh okay let me send a reminder here get them to reset my password uh that email never came, and then when I went back in to try and uh, to get it resent, because it had a little button that said, oh, hey, if you don't get your, your password reset, click here to send it again. Uh, the site crashed. And I was like, all right, <laughs> I, I have danced this dance with WWN before. I can spot a streaming nightmare a mile away. This is not my first rodeo. All the other mm-hmm. cliches you want to throw out there. And I was like, all right. I will forego this. It'll kill me. I know everyone's going to talk about how, what a great show it is. I, I would have loved the chance to watch some great wrestling live at 6 p.m. On a, on a nice, warm Friday evening. But I was like, it's not going to happen. And I'm not wasting 20 quid on this poxy service. And I, I felt very vindicated by it because the stream, I don't think, ever properly got off the ground. Yeah. Um, uh, I think by the end of the show, most people were watching it. But I was just like... Yeah. I don't know why. So I, I felt I felt very vindicated by that, and that was the that was the one show I actually really wanted to see, mm. and then I just didn't really bother until the the, the big uh, 
big WWE shows. So yeah, I, I, that was the total summation of my of my <laughs> Mania indie streaming. Yeah, I I tried to watch that show. Uh, I gave it a chance. I I tried to get in with the the the, the live viewing, but. Uh, I think about three minutes in because I hadn't experienced the WWN thing before, but I, I was familiar with the the issues that they have had. So I think I tried for about f- three to five minutes, maybe at the start of the show, and when I realised how bad the site had, was going, uh, I immediately just sent an email for the refund and stopped trying. Uh, and I got my refund in fairness within a couple of days, so that that was at least something. Uh, Jack, what was your what was your consumption over Mania weekend like? Did you just mainline the WWE shows, or did you kind of dip in and out of other stuff? So I um, also woke up um, to the Joey Janela show, but so I, I clicked in to, to watch it, and it was like nearly seven o'clock, or maybe seven o'clock, and I'm on the train heading in towards London, and there's Marty Jannetty in the <laughs> ring, standing across from Joey Janela, and I'm like, this is fucking surreal. And then proceeded to watch 20 minutes of one of the weirdest pro wrestling things <laughs> yeah. I've ever seen in my life. At one stage, there was like five referees knocked down, Earl Hebner was sprinting <laughs> towards the ring, and Marty Jannetty and Virgil, for some reason, were standing triumphant in yeah. the ring while everyone was dead. And I was like, what the shit is happening? Yeah, and then it got even more bizarre, because he did a Canadian destroyer. <laughs> what the? What? Seriously? I yeah. felt like I was watching some weird maniacs, like, create a wrestler <laughs> WWE 2K17 game that, like, no one would ever care about. But it, it was great. Uh, and then there was a really good match between Riddle and Seven. Mm. And then after that, I saw some of the WWN Super Show, um, the matches that I really wanted to see. Uh, I saw a little bit of Evolve 81, but not 80, uh, mainly just for Keith Lee because uh, everyone was talking about him a lot. And yeah, other than that, it was pretty much just the Fed that I was watching. Yeah, um, I- I'll double back Such and talk. scumbags. We all we all just supported the big money player, brother. Cor- corporate, corporate. That's that's us. Um, I I watched. Uh, well, we'll talk about Joey Janela a little bit because that was something I have on my little list here of uh, kind of indie highlights. Because I watched I watched a fair bit. Like I watched most of the Super Show at this stage. I watched most of Joey Janela's Spring Break, and I watched all of Evolve eighty, some of eighty one. Um. And yeah, Joey Janela was this real surreal. The the, the bit you uh, mentioned about Earl Hebner running in that was one of my favorite payoffs to a gag because in the opening of the show, it was kind of like an SNL talking about you know who's coming up. This is the cast of characters, you know, featured players and things like that. And one of the things they listed was, I, I think almost word for word, it was Earl Hebner run in after a ref bump was one of the things that was advertised at the start of the show in the opening VT. So, uh, pop big for that. Uh, That was the most surreal wrestling show I have watched in a long, long time. Uh, Riddle versus Severn happening. Joey Janela versus um, the ghost of Marty Jannetty because uh, he, he was there physically, but mentally he was somewhere else, I think it's fair to say. Um, Did you stay around Uh, that match long enough for the, the awkward promo afterwards 
Yeah, and Excalibur burying him yeah. on commentary the whole <laughs> that was... time for just being drunk off his it's ass. Genuinely, the the best part of that show, and if you haven't seen any of it yet, Barry, the, the best part of that whole show is that Excalibur, who was one of the stars of the weekend, because he was just... I think people just saw him rambling around and pulled him in for commentary on their shows because it felt like most <laughs> most non-WWE programming I was watching all weekend seemed to have Excalibur on commentary, which is not a bad thing by any stretch. No, absolutely. But uh, Excalibur was on there and spent the whole like three hours or however long it was just burying everything. Uh, and it was incredible. Like he had... At one point, I can't remember who the other commentators were on with him, but at one point uh, in the middle of a match, he said, oh, Chuck Taylor's just walking by. I'm going to text him and ask him to bring me a water. And then Chuck Taylor just walked up to the commentary table and sat down and commentated for most of the rest of the (laughs) pay-per-view. And it was great. And a couple of lines here that I, I've pulled. Um, our, our good friend uh, at Galazzo Dan on the tweet machine was uh, yeah. <laughs> pretty much tweeting the word for word all of Excalibur's commentary because it was incredible. Uh, so <laughs> we have him burying the production by saying, these guys are trying to load up their music on YouTube, but the commercial keeps playing and some of them are unskippable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I heard about that. Yeah, the, he also said because there was a there there was a match that was a big kind of um, like battle royal sort of thing uh, called the Clusterfuck uh, that had all sorts of people, including uh, the Invisible Man and Glacier uh, in it. But uh, Veda Scott was in there, and she was at one point uh, grappling with Dink, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and Dink bit her on the arse and someone laid her out and I think legit knocked out a couple of her teeth. Um, oh yes, yeah. And she was um she was like trying to she was flogging her t shirts extra hard over Mania Weekend, like, hey, I need I need to get some work done. <laughs> yeah. Uh Excalibur's exact line, which was I think my favourite commentary line of the whole weekend, was the thing that was sorely lacking in professional wrestling was misogyny, and I'm really glad we got to rectify that here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, a, a couple more highlights from the weekend's indies I wanted to make mention of, and that's uh, three men who had real kind of... Um, every time I saw them, they were associated with something great over the weekend. Uh, Jack mentioned the first man, and that's Keith Lee. Um, if you're going to check some of the stuff on demand from the weekend, I recommend you check out uh, Keith Lee's uh, three matches uh, that I saw uh, against Ricochet, Donovan Dijak, and there's uh, another one. Yeah, Leo Rush as well. Leo Rush. Um, I didn't see his four-way on the Super Show yet, and I haven't seen Beyond Wrestling. He had a match with Jeff Cobb that I'll bet was pretty good. Um, So uh, he had a really good weekend. Uh, He is an absurd man. Um, I have never seen a man of his proportions uh, fly like he does. Um, And I I, I was frequently excited to bask in his glory over the weekend. Uh, I also really enjoyed uh, all-ego Ethan Page, who I had not seen a lot of before the weekend. But there's a guy who is um, definitely, he carries himself on the indies like he is already in WWE. Like he is is proper, he is there, he's got his bodyguards. Uh, the gatekeepers they're just referred to as gatekeepers on those Evolve shows which is sad because if you if you know who the gatekeepers are their names in it's Chikara isn't it they're from uh, so, yeah. it's yeah Blaster McMassive and Flex, Flex Rumble Crunch which are infinitely better names <laughs> than gatekeepers yeah <laughs> um, but he had they a great they both sound like um, they both sound like you know when you play worms and the other team's worms are just called ridiculous things yeah <laughs> 
That's exactly what, what it was like. like. He had uh, two... Uh, let me tell you, this guy earned his stripes over WrestleMania weekend because uh, on two days back-to-back, he wrestled against Darby Allen in an Anything Goes match. And then, just to take it easy the day after, he wrestled Jimmy Havoc. Uh, so <laughs> his body took a fucking beating uh, all oh, weekend. I did see that Havoc match, yeah. I remember now. And he was in the clusterfuck as well, and he was very good in all of it. Uh, and the other man, uh, although he is the kind of the I call the man at the moment, as he calls himself, uh, Leo Rush had a great weekend as well. Um, saw a couple of matches of his uh, with Drew Galloway. Um, I heard he was he was great in that ridiculous ten man tag on the WrestleCon Super Show, but I didn't see that. Leo Rush and Keith Lee, as we already mentioned, and uh, there was a triple threat with him, Jacka, and G- Jason Kincaid. Uh, that was really good as well on one of the Evolve shows. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like my... Uh, anything else you guys heard about from the indies that people should check out? or um, People seem to really enjoy that Hardy's Young Bucks ladder match. Uh, I still haven't uh, seen that. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it myself. I, I, heard the, I heard the ROH show in general was, was pretty damn good. Um, yeah, the, 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 those Supercard of Honours are pretty good. The one we went to last year was really good. Um, really enjoyable show. So, you know, they kind of... You'd expect Ring of Honor to bring it on WrestleMania weekend. Um, let's move on then to the, the Fed, the the stuff we watched the most over the weekend, and the the kickoff to the weekend that, in retrospect, was really kind of training you for the marathon that would be WrestleMania if you watched it live. Was the Hall of Fame, uh, the Hall of Fame, which ran I think over four hours this year, um, perhaps over five if you counted the red carpet special. Um, Anyone got any highlights here? I'll go to Jack first, because I, I know you've definitely seen good bits of it. Uh, I pretty much saw all of it. I'm not sure why I watched all of it, but I did <laughs> watch all of it. Um, yeah, I thought it was good. Uh, some notes. Number one, uh, I don't know why, and I've been listening to a couple of interviews with him, but Kurt Angle can't say WWE. Um, <laughs> well, neither can Vince, also... or me half the time, so... No, he's like, it's like W-W-R-E, like W-W-R-E. I'm like, mate, enunciate, like, you're amazing. Uh, just, I don't know, maybe it's something to do with his neck, I, I have no idea, but he's lost the ability <laughs> that to That second say W gets lost in his neck somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I thought his speech was great, and I kind of liked the greatest hits feel to it. Like, not many people normally come out and just, you know they're like people are saying like you know thanking this that the other and the emotional end of it but i like that kurt just came out and he was just goofy old kurt just doing the hits and singing all of the crazy songs and watching Shawn michaels sing along to i'm just a sexy kurt was a huge (laughs) highlight maybe of the whole weekend for me uh i I love the crowd harmonizing for sexy kurt as well that was great yeah going up on the high yeah um I, I really thought Beth Phoenix's speech was, was really great. That was quite a long one, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think for a lot of people, she was kind of an addition to the show where they were just a bit like, yeah, you know, they're just putting a woman in, blah, 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 whatever shit people think. But you know what? She was really, really good. And the little bit with Edge, I thought, was, was quite cool. And yeah, that that was a good emotional and uh, in-depth speech. And Quite liked uh, JBL and uh, Farouk's intro for uh, uh, Teddy Long as well. Yeah. You know, um, every, the whole up to that that point, because this is still pre-angle. 
everything had been about emotional resonance and levity and all this sort of stuff and then they come out and their first line is basically like teddy long is so cheap (laughs) Uh, and and from that point onwards you knew it would be a good time uh yeah yeah, and it was cool to see jim Cornette on wwe programming but i doubt that's gonna happen again anytime (laughs) in the near future yeah i i think um in spite of uh, several issues that came up over mania weekend that we may get to later on in the show uh one thing that i always say about jbl is that when he does hall of fame inductions he usually knocks it out of the park because uh, he knows usually he's positioned somewhere in the show that people are starting to get tired so he kind of like brings the yucks um barry oh, yeah, I... the JPL stuff <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, barry uh, any highlights from hall of fame did you see any of it i i didn't watch it i'm not a big hall of fame guy um ah. I, w- I watched it the first year they streamed it on the network uh, for the novelty. It's, it's It was good. I, I don't dislike it. It's just uh, four hours of talking and, and my... It looked like a great class this year, but I, I just couldn't make yeah. time for it. See, I, I always like watching it. Um, one, because it, it kind of already in the few years that it's been streamed on the network feels like, you know, kind of... It's almost like the start of Wrestling Christmas. It's the first event that WWE runs. So it kind of gets you a little bit excited. Also, I'm, I'm a big kind of... Um, uh, fan of just listening to old road stories I mightn't have heard before in some of those speeches. Yeah. Um. So so that's something I tune in for. And the the one thing I want to get to, uh, I I largely agree with what the the highlights were with uh Jack. But there's three things I want to point out here. One is from the main show of the Hall of Fame, and that was uh, the incredible run in by Tony Chimmel. Uh, in the Beth Phoenix speech yep. where she makes mention of her husband Adam the whole crowd starts chanting Edge and she says or you may better you may know him better as Edge and then Tony Chimmel runs on and goes no 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 allow me to help out and he does his big rated R superstar thing and at like about half three or four o'clock in the morning that was the exact weird bit of comedy I needed to keep me going uh, absolutely love that. And then one of my favorite things about the Hall of Fame, and that's where the, the other two uh, notes I want to make here. One of my favorite things about the Hall of Fame is the pre-show for the Hall of Fame, which I think is the best hour of car crash television that WWE runs every single year. It is the most strange and awkward program I, I think I've ever seen and it's always good for a couple of really weird moments usually brought on by one Dean Ambrose who did not disappoint this year oh yes uh, he has made a tradition on the Hall of Fame shows showing up appearing to be um, l- less than sober you might say <laughs> um, and trying to pop whoever's interviewing him usually Renee Young uh, and yeah, this year, I think his opening salvo, his opening line when Renee asked him how he was doing this evening was that he was saying he was all lubed up and ready for the evening, uh, <laughs> oh, no. which is quite something. <laughs> and he's talking about how he was all covered in glitter, presumably from a strip club. Uh, it was... It was absolutely fantastic television. And uh, the one other thing I want to make mention of, because this will come up later, so just remember this bit now. Uh, they interviewed Randy Orton, uh, who was there with his, with his girlfriend or his wife. I don't know if they're married or not. Um, and Which one of them was? <laughs> it wasn't every the... Every time WWE shows his yeah. wife, it's a different person. It wasn't the spectacularly uh, cardboard cutout of a woman that was uh, in the home invasion angle from years ago, uh, before WrestleMania 25. But uh, he was being interviewed, and they asked him about his match with Bray Wyatt on Sunday. And he noted 
something to the effect of that we have some pretty cool, unique stuff planned for this match and he thinks people are really going to enjoy it. So I just wanted to remember that uh, for later on in the program when we get to that fucking match. Um, oh, God. Hey, I remember two more things that, are, that need mention. They're both going to yep. be really quick. Go for uh, it. So Rick Rude's son uh, launching into a Rick Rude style promo and calling everyone in the room Florida sweat hogs. That was great. Uh, oh, yes. Tick. Yeah, I did see that. That that was great. And uh, Mick Foley's suit. Oh, God. Yeah, that suit that, that suit put Michael Hayes to shame. Um, and yeah, the... yeah, all it needed was a bum bag, and, and it was just there. Yeah. Uh, Rick Rude's son, as well, uh, appeared to be about 11 feet tall uh, and, <laughs> and, and built as all get out. Uh, so I can imagine he that... Uh, like a goddamn linebacker. Yeah. It was crazy. I can imagine that someone backstage tried to have a conversation with him about selling up his business and breaking into the biz, but uh, hopefully for his sake he doesn't. Um, yeah, so that's that's the Hall of Fame. Uh, as far as those shows go, it was pretty decent. I... I, I I seem to remember last year's being much more tedious than this year's. Um, I kind of like as much as shows like that can go. It was fairly bright and breezy most of the way through. There wasn't, apart from the the Rock and Roll Express forgetting their speech about a half dozen times. Uh, there wasn't really any points in the show that were very poor. Um, but we move on to Saturday now and NXT Takeover Orlando, uh, which I- I'm gonna I'm gonna open it up to you guys here i'll start with barry but i think this was a this was a surprisingly good show i think a lot of people were, were down on it compared to previous takeovers but i, I had quite an enjoyable time watching this show it, it, it was an easy watch i think i think people are cold on nxt at the moment understandably you know myself included but i think there's a a, a bedrock of quality there that they never you know quite go under uh, there's a there's a couple of things overall direction wise that that kind of irk me, but generally I I think it, you know they still have a lot of very talented people, and uh, I'm glad that amidst all the um the debuts and the craziness that that uh, DIY uh, uh, have remained on NXT because they are very much the anchors I feel of of the um of the whole brand in a way that like Balor and Zayn used to be now I think they're kind of now the guys on that brand in terms of carrying it. You know, mm-hmm. putting on the quality matches and being synonymous with it. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was. A, I thought it was a very easy to watch show, which is impressive considering it had so few matches. Like everything was pretty damn long, more or less. Yeah, you know? e- everything got time, which is good on these shows because most people down there, uh, or at least most people on this card, uh, can actually do pretty good when they're given a bit of time. Funny that. Um, Jack, any any thoughts on this show? Do you enjoy it as well? I, I really enjoyed the show, um, and I think maybe more than most people. Uh, I didn't think there was any bad matches per se. Like I think the one kind of down match, funnily enough, was the Tommy End slash Alistair Black. Uh, but they did everything they needed to do to make him look like an absolute star. His music is unbelievably oh, perfect. His his uh, Nosferatu entrance is yeah quite something. It it's the uh, new yeah. theater entrance of NXT. Yeah, and I loved the main event, and it's taken a lot of shit from people, uh, and I don't really get it, because I, I just thought it was a really good match. Don't understand why people are kind of down on it. Yeah, I'm I'm not uh, like I, I'm not raving about the match. I, I liked it. Uh, I think it's a similar case to um, 
we might be talking about later the the Triple H Seth Rollins match. And I think if you're into a very particular kind of wrestling, because both of those matches revolved around the idea of working a limb. Um, Psychology was yeah. like the heavy part there. Yeah, and I think that um, I can see why the long kind of working over a limb for ages could be boring to some people, especially like when it's Mania weekend and it's it's like kind of surrounded by matches that have big spots and and, and cool moments in them. But I think in terms of storytelling, I I, I definitely appreciated what. Um, that match was uh, some of my highlights from it. I have never uh, really enjoyed a match with all of Sanity in it before uh, that opener on NXT that had um, uh, No Way Jose had been carted out at Access earlier on after being attacked by Sanity and he was replaced by Cassius Ono, the former Chris Hero. Uh, and that match was pretty fun. It had some cool spots, uh, including Alexander Wolf getting punched right in the fucking jaw when he was doing his his <laughs> raving around which i think is one of my favorite spots yep. of the whole weekend um it it fell apart for a couple of minutes towards the end but i think as far as matches involving the whole unit of sanity have gone i i i've never enjoyed them more shall we say um uh, ruby riot is kind of not there yet i think no she's only like has she even had a before that had she even had a televised match for them i don't i don't remember seeing her uh i don't watch every show but i do kind of catch up every now and then but yeah i, I yeah. haven't seen her before i, I know she should I think, I think she just i think she just showed up recently and and this was her first match yeah she showed up like a week or maybe two weeks before takeover but i don't know if she actually had a match in that time so i suppose like it, she was she was okay um yeah, yeah and exactly. it was it was kind of it, but... yeah and it was i think she was involved when the, when the match fell apart briefly but they got it back together and it was it was fun um yeah alistair black uh and andrade cn almas wasn't the greatest match i've ever seen either man have but uh like you no. said jack it, it did what it needed to do you got to see some of uh alistair black's uh kind of it was a good showcase for him. Unfortunately, uh, because there was a section in the crowd who were trying to get themselves over by chanting the name of their section over and over again, uh, the crowd lost focus towards the end of the match and kind of missed the reaction for the finish, which was unfortunate. Um, the the tag match, I think, was the match of the night and oh, yeah. one of the matches of the whole weekend. Um you know, like, I, I think everyone's going to praise Revival and DIY because they are incredible tag teams. Um, but I, 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 I'm going to take a second here just to praise Authors of Pain, who are getting to the point where they were pretty bad when they showed up, but now are right up at the point where they can be carried to a really good match with the right people. Uh, I really, really love this match. Uh, Barry, what do you think? I I loved it. I, I think that... Um... Uh, uh, I, it was a nice. I think people kind of watched this kind of new revival were on the way off, yeah. um, because it was a nice bookend to their feud with uh, DIY, and and it really stands to the quality to the rock solid booking of NXT, even in this era where people are you know a little, little cool on it, um, that it is still you know rock solid and it has good fundamentals and they are still building characters and feuds that mean something. That when DIY and revival 
teamed up to take down the bigger lads. It got this huge reaction, like, oh, we are seeing something, like, special and and completely different. And it's, you know, uh, uh, desperate, you know, times call for desperate measures type things. Like, people really appreciated that these, you know, unwilling partners had to team up yeah. to take down the bigger guys. And, um, it was some and of the best storytelling they... of the whole weekend. Yeah, and, and, and they, as in the performers, conveyed it so well as well. Like, they did not... It wasn't just this, okay, we're on the same team thing now. It was a, a very uh, uh, slow and, and, and gradual realisation that this is the way it needs to be. And, of course, the revival, they uh, they they tried to switch back too soon, and, and it cost everyone. Uh, it was tremendous. I do think... I do think um, uh, the authors of Pain are, are coming along at a steady pace, which is good. Working with super talented guys, I think, does that uh, for a team. Uh, I, I think everyone in this in this played their part really well. And, and on, on the storytelling note, I mean, they are a reminder, uh, Authors of Pain meaning, uh, along with Braun Strowman, that they, they, WWE, they still can make people intimidating and scary and, and protect people to the nth degree when they really want to. I mean, they, they these guys... They had to be double teams for the other guys to even get a, a chance yeah. against them, and and they still won, and they basically won clean. Um, it was you know that was decisive. That was decisive as all hell, and it, and it, and it really it really was impressive. My um, criticism of this match, I thought it was a bit odd that like uh, DIY went out first. Yeah, um, and I felt I felt like it was kind of a foregone conclusion then that that the authors were winning, and the crowd was still decently into it, but I think. I, I think it would have been better if you had the, the beloved baby faces, yeah. um, uh, you know, fighting the uphill battle. It, I wonder in a way, if... though... Yeah, oh, go, on. go on. No, go on, Jack. Um, I was going to say, in a way, though, it kind of made sense because it was like the Revival were the ones that, that cost DIY, really, because, you know, they were... At that point in the match, it was them... Uh, messing about that kind of led to to the authors of pain getting back on top and, and pinning DIY, which is good because we're not meant to like the revival, mm. even though people kind of do just because they're so good. So I think yeah. that sort of positioned them quite well. Yeah, I, I, uh, I in also terms wa- of storytelling. I also wonder if part of it was a decision that we'll have revival go the distance because it's their farewell to NXT. You know, like get them to kind of like it was a it, it was almost like a really really uh, concentrated babyface run. Um, you know, they usually will turn people for a little while on their way out of NXT just to, you know, give them some some sort of uh, kind of uh, fair proper farewell to the crowd. They did it with the Wyatts, like the the Wyatts were beloved on their last couple of appearances for for NXT before they went up. But that was a really enjoyable match. And the other match from this show that that I want to mention because this was a sneaky fave of mine for the weekend was the women's championship match. Um, and that was uh, Asuka and Ember Moon, which. Boy, howdy, was this one of the stiffest matches of WrestleMania weekend uh, for WWE? Yeah. This, this like was worked like it was a fucking fight, um, and I really—I don't know about you guys—I really love the story that was told in this match. Uh, the idea that this is the first time that it looked like Asuka was really off her game. Uh, that that Ember Moon was actually getting to her and competitive with her. She wasn't just going to breeze through her like she breezed through everybody else. Uh, the fact that she had to basically cheat to win and that crucially i think uh from a storytelling perspective ember moon never hit the eclipse for the whole match so that yep. that finish is still protected presumably until ember moon finally uh beats her at maybe the next takeover if they don't stretch it out even further than that uh jack your thoughts on this match uh 
Um, like a couple of tiny things. Uh, Ember Moon had blue contacts. Yeah. When she's always had those like sort of like embery colored ones, which I, f- I found like an odd choice, but hey, whatever. Um, she's tiny as well. Like I didn't yeah. really appreciate how tiny she was until I saw her in there with Asuka, and like they want to turn Asuka, I think back heel maybe uh and she did the cheating to win thing but she's so unbelievably great that i think it's physically impossible for people to hate her she is Mm. so so good she's the best woman in the company as far as i'm concerned i don't think even like charlotte flair and such she's a great worker but i ask her just is on a level by herself right now barry yeah, I, I really loved it. I, I, I don't think I maybe loved it as much as you guys did, but I, that finish, I just loved it because you, you watch the video package um, like before the match and they really hammer it home. You know, Ember Moon's great, but the move she has, this move, it is over. You don't want to get hit with this. It like takes people. It doesn't just beat them, but like it injures them and all this other stuff. Yeah. And uh, I, it was a great way in losing that Ember Moon still got to look great because Asuka was so terrified of being hit yeah. with this move that she, she resorted to, to the finish she did. Uh, again, it was just really clever storytelling, and it's not overly creative. It wasn't, you know, they didn't have to use gimmickry or, or, or anything like that. They were able to be creative still within the context of just a simple old wrestling match and, and a fairly traditional wrestling finish. Um, I loved it. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, good show, NXT. Moving on to the the main event, um, WrestleMania 33. Clocking in, including the free show, at just over seven fucking hours long. Uh, It was a long, long night at the office. Um, I suppose we'll just, we'll we'll go through it from start to finish and then give a bit of a a kind of an overall thumbs up, thumbs down at the end. Um, Starting off with Neville and Austin Aries was the first of the three pre-show matches. Um, I I, I don't know about you guys, I thought this was a a decent match. I was glad they got a bit of time, but I think, and pretty much any pundit worth his salt has really pointed out at this stage, that the fact that the sun was still blisteringly bright at this stage probably didn't help the guys that were trying to come off the top rope very much. Uh, A couple of spots were a bit off. Um, Barry, what, what, what did you well, make of like, really it? Really windy, yeah, really windy as well. Yeah, uh, what did you make of this? Getting to see Austin Aries on WrestleMania was a little bit surreal, wasn't it? Uh, well, I didn't watch the pre-show. I I was um, I was adamant that I was not going to watch uh, WrestleMania live, and then I ended up sticking it on as the actual show began. And then the next day, obviously, having watched four or five or whatever, however many hours it was of the main show, I could not bring myself to go back and rewatch the pre-show. Mm. So I, I gave this a pass, but everyone, everyone has told me I need to go back and see this Aries match, so I, I yeah, probably should. It's pretty good. I don't think it was better than a... There was a couple of things on the, the, the main show that I'd definitely say were better, but it was, it was pretty good. It wasn't the kind of blow-away match of the night candidate we had all really hoped it would be, but it's, it's pretty good. Jack, what did you think of it? Did you see the pre-show? Yeah, uh, I watched it live, actually, because it was kind of the only part of WrestleMania I'd be watching live. I had to be up at, like, half five the next day, uh, which sucked. But Which yeah, is around I, the time probably... it actually ended. <laughs> yeah, I know. How crazy. I probably could have watched Taker um, at the end. But, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the, the match. I thought it was kind of a nice way to kick off the show. Uh, Ares is great. Neville continues to be booked really strong as the so-called king of the cruiserweights and the match pretty much did everything you want it to do from from the opener. 
Yeah, it was a decent match. Moving on then to the, uh, we had a a battle royal, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal got relegated to the pre-show this year uh, and was won by, I don't think we saw this coming uh, at the time we did the pre-show, that's for sure, uh, Mojo Rawley uh, winning the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal featuring a run-in from one Rob Gronkowski. Uh, as an American football fan, Jack, uh, how, how big did you pop for the Gronk? It was a pretty, it was a pretty, pretty big pop. Um, just because the was guy, it was it as big as the pop that Jinder threw in his face? <laughs> yeah, uh, I would say like yeah, that was a me- it was a medium beverage pop as opposed to an extra large <laughs> beverage pop. But he uh, he's been out injured, so you got like a really serious injury towards the end of the Patriots season, and I think he's had injury issues throughout his career when he plays he is the most dominant uh player his position in the nfl he's an unbelievable athlete he's kind of like that Shawn michaels thing where it's like there was a lot of injuries in the career but when he was there that's the guy that's the guy right there um so i was shocked when he was uh vaulting over the barrier and and running into jinder who if you're running into jinder at the moment you're yeah, there's a good chance you might hurt yourself because that guy is decked out these days. So yeah, I uh, I later found out that the Patriots even cleared him to do it. Which, if you know anything about Bill Belichick, Dave, just imagine the Alex Ferguson of the NFL. <laughs> I, I'm familiar with, with one Bill Belichick who who doesn't like speaking to the media and is just an absolute genius behind the scenes, but refuses to put a lot of that genius out in public. Basically, so yeah. I was shocked that he was cleared to do this, but yeah, it was cool. Um, I don't think it's going to give Mojo the rub that maybe it, it should do. Like, I feel like they should have used that match to elevate somebody, but I guess the eyeballs and media attention that it got is probably oh, maybe yeah, more important. A, a than, thousand than percent. That. Yeah, that's a thousand percent what it is. Um, there was a point in this battle royal where myself and Mark were watching it downstairs, and uh, our two pre- uh, our, the, the kind of two predictions everyone would have had before that that it was either going to be the Big Show or Frosty the Strowman uh, winning the battle royal, and both of them were eliminated within the first couple of minutes, which in one respect is kind of awesome because you're like, okay, well the people everyone thought was going to win are already gone, so who's going to win this? But then I think a couple of seconds after he got eliminated, I, I said out loud to Marcus, I said, oh, look, Mojo Rawley outlasted the two of them. And we both kind of looked at each other for a second and said, oh, no, because we'd already they had shown Gronk earlier in the pre-show that he was there. And kind of if you know about Mojo Rawley, he is constantly going on about him, how him and Gronk are mates. Uh, so we kind of saw the writing on the wall already, and then we got down to the very odd final three of Sami Zayn, Mojo Rawley, and Jinder Mahal, and it was yeah, it was inevitable from that point really. Um, yeah, it was. I feel like I feel like Gronk is booked as America's mate though, so yeah, I feel like everybody <laughs> can consider themselves friends with Rob Gronkowski. He's always out partying, doing crazy shit. He had his own cruise, for God's sake. Uh, best part of this whole uh, battle royal have either of you seen the promo that Mojo Raleigh cut on Smackdown after Mania about yes, this <laughs> I did not <laughs> do, you want, do you want to describe this incredibly awkward moment to Jack Barry he, he was like doing a Mojo <laughs> promo you know like Mojo does and then like halfway through he just went but man it's man it was really important to me uh, it was really important to me <laughs> 
and, and then I went out and celebrated with my friend Gronk. And that was the other awkward thing about it as well. Is that, like if, if it wasn't obvious enough this was done for 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 the publicity of getting the Gronk involved. The 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 interview lady asked him, Oh, are you and Gronk gonna celebrate now that you're fucking Andre champion or whatever she calls it? And he's like and he goes, Oh yeah, I'm so crazy, my friend Gronk, you know, we're always a party, we're always a party and then oh, but you know, seriously though, it, it is very serious, you know, it's a very great moment for me. And uh yeah, I'm gonna go party with the Gronk. My favorite. So what what happened is he kind of like almost inhaled the personality <laughs> of a boring NFL athlete. He's just like, yeah, yeah. we're just gonna play a great game, you know. Yeah. We got eleven players out there, blah blah blah. Yeah. My my favorite part of the whole promo, the when he was still in his really excited mode before he got serious, he turns around to he was being interviewed by Dasha, who if you have seen her doing the interview, God bless the girl, but she is even by WWE interview interviewer standards wooden. Um, he said to her really excitedly, Dasha, can you feel it? And there was a, like a pause for a couple of seconds where she wasn't sure if she was supposed to respond. Then she kind of (laughs) shook her head and said, not really. And he just, he responds immediately with, that's all right. (laughs) Continues on with Oh my god, I now have to see this. (laughs) It's fucking incredible. As the, like, it was all worth it just for that surreal moment. Um, another match that got bumped down to the pre-show uh, because there was kind of there was a big social media campaign to make sure the SmackDown women's match got on the main card. That worked, and it looked like the match that was sacrificed from the main card was Dean Ambrose versus uh, Big Breakfast, uh, Baron Corbin. This match, uh, Jack, as I know you didn't, as you said, you didn't see the pre-show, Barry. I don't, I don't know what you thought about this, Jack, but I thought this match was a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, it, it it was existing there. There was there was ten minutes of pro graps action, uh, yeah. and after that ten and a half whatever it was minutes, uh, a man was victorious, and that yeah. was Ambrose. And that man was uh, yeah. That was a bit of a surprise because I I thought they yeah. were going to switch the title. Um, I was I was fairly I, certain on that. Uh I think there was like you know those odd swings mm-hmm. uh, where where everyone can bet on on the graps, and before the show, I think. I think Big Breakfast was like favorite, and then like maybe an hour before the show, it just went heavily towards Dean. So it was clearly like a last-minute decision, and I guess like spoiler alert, but they then flipped the title on SmackDown, which I never understand why they do. Because I mean, yes, more people are watching SmackDown, but it would have been a a better moment to give him the pop of of winning Mm. the belt on on. On the big show, and then have him the next day, and have a match with Dean, and and then win on win on SmackDown, and then you look even more strong because you won at Mania, and now you're winning again on television. So I I don't get the booking decision, and the match, as you say, was just fine. Kicking off WrestleMania, uh, unexpectedly, was AJ Styles versus Shane McMahon, and let's just jump right into this match. I really love this match a lot. Um, this is awesome. It was, like, it was, I think, one of, if not the best matches on the card for um, spectacle, if nothing else. Uh, AJ Styles is a fucking miracle worker. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how he did it. Uh, Shane McMahon, in fairness to him, got in much better shape this year for WrestleMania. Um, I have a feeling that among the first three things that AJ said when they sat down to plan this match was knock that punching shit off unless you absolutely have to because there was way less of Shane's terrible, terrible looking punches than there normally is. 
um, and he replaced it with uh, MMA holds and grappling, uh, which was oh my god, something else. He, t- uh, I think, uh, Alan, our good friend Alan Farrell, uh, said he turned into Zack Saber Junior for a night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a bit generous, don't you? There was there was one moment where AJ came off as a, he went to land the four fifty and Shane caught him in a triangle. <laughs> Just like, what the fuck yeah, am I like, even yeah, watching? Like, sh- sh- Shane McMahon like trying to do like Zack Sabre Junior, Kyle O'Reilly, fucking ACH spots like just. And and like he was doing all that stuff, but he was doing it all so slowly and yeah. like kind of awkwardly. And like I thought he was great in the match. I think he did. You know, he did his Shane McMahon stuff, and it was great. And the match was fun. But oh, I for I was like for the first half of this match, I was like hating it because they were telling the story that Shane was out wrestling AJ. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and he was taking him down, and AJ didn't have an answer for him. Yeah. And I was like, oh. God, what is this match? Yeah, I, Why are all the McMahons this way? <laughs> I think the first couple of minutes it looks better in hindsight uh, now that we know the result of the match because for the first couple of minutes when that was happening it was sort of making you think in your head they're going to have Shane McMahon beat AJ Styles and convince us that, a- that Shane is the best wrestler in the world. I wouldn't be doing this show. I would have switched to WrestleMania <laughs> off, and I would not have watched another thing for at least a couple of months if they'd done that. I, I think that's generous. I this It might have been the closest I've come to not watching wrestling anymore uh, since Shane beat up Legacy that time. Um, I it- don't just don't yeah please. it was it, it turned out to be a really fun match and um kind of everybody including us were kind of wondering well he already gave away shane did the elbow through the announce table on television um what's he going to do to top that at wrestlemania especially when it's not like a crazy cage match or anything like that well shane mcmahon busted out a shooting star press a fucking shooting star press i was walking to work watching this on my phone and i stopped <laughs> And re-round it just to make sure that I'd seen it. It was awesome. It was real yeah. good. He had good form. I mean, he had to land flat on, on the canvas as well. It was perfect. Yeah. And he managed to do it without nearly killing himself like Brock Lesnar did when he tried one at WrestleMania. Yeah, so. he has landed a better shooting star press on a mania than Brock Lesnar. Uh, I, I turned to... Myself and Mark kind of turned to each other after this match just to kind of rabbit some of his thoughts as well. And I kind of, I kind of looked at him and went... That, that was really good, wasn't it? And he said, yeah, I think it was. And I said, I, like, I, I don't want to, but I also can't not give that, like, three and a half or four stars because of how much I fucking enjoyed it. Like, if you take out of it, like, because it's Shane McMahon, you have to have a, an additional layer of suspension of disbelief, where not only do you have to have the suspension of disbelief that's involved in watching the wrestling, but you also have to have the additional layer of, let's just forget that he's a middle-aged executive for a minute and try and ex- enjoy this. Um, and if you are able to do that, that this was a really, really good match. Um, and it was one of the matches of the night. It was really, really strange. Second best match on the card for me, guys. Yeah, probably. Probably. Uh, up next was uh, the United States title match. And that was uh, Kevin Owens defeating Chris Jericho. Um, I don't think this match was quite as good as I thought it was going to be. It was pretty good. Um, it, it only got 15 minutes, just a little bit over 15 minutes. Um, but it was decent. And again, um, following what was pretty much the opposite trend from WrestleMania last year, the trend on this WrestleMania was 
decent matches with the right person winning. Uh, as opposed to last year, which was slightly dodgy matches with the wrong person almost always winning. Um, so, yeah, this is pretty decent. Barry, what did you think of this one? The, the second match? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Owens and Jericho. Uh, I like them both. I'm a big Owens guy, but I thought it was just a good second um, uh, second match on the cards. Uh, you know, didn't didn't show steel. Didn't really try to show steel. Like they were, yeah. they uh, they they weren't out there trying to. Obviously, I mean, they had to follow the the, the Shane match. It was it was functionally fine. The the tail end of it, I thought, was pretty good. It had the great finger on the rope near fall. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was nothing too crazy. I think they'll probably have a if they do have a rematch. I obviously we're they do yeah. this before this. They, anna- Smackdown draft. They, oh, anna- they? they announced it last night, yeah, there will be a rematch at Payback. Oh, good, okay, fair enough. I think they'll probably have a better rematch. Um, uh, but yeah, if, for, for its position on the card, I think it was solid. I think some people see it a little down, and I was like, hey, you know, for, for where it is, they, they did what they had to do for this match. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I enjoyed it, but uh, I, I would expect more going forward. Jack? Yeah, I agree. I was, I was a little bit disappointed by the match. By the way, uh, the show was pretty video package heavy, and this video package that they had of of Owens and Jericho was fucking five stars. It was amazing. They did such a good job on it. Like, those guys have done a really awesome job telling the story over the last few months, Uh, and yeah, it paid off really nicely, and, and, and I'm completely in line with Barry. It was kind of functional. The one memorable moment was the sort of finger on the rope, I, I oh feel my like... god! The one finger on the rope. Yeah, like <laughs> the one thing, the one finger on the rope, kind of like the one finger connection of the the painting that that Chris Jericho showed of them that yeah. looked like uh, Michelangelo's from the Sistine Chapel finger connection painting, uh, which I thought was like a really nice bit of storytelling. I felt like this match kind of stopped maybe two minutes before it should have done. I feel like if they'd done like a few more high spots at the end, maybe not even kicking out of finishes, but just kind of up the pace a little bit more before Owens like power bombs him and stuff and, and then takes him into the ring and pins him, then I think people would have thought more favorably of it than they did. And at the time, I thought maybe one of them like was struggling with an injury or something because it looked like it ended just a little bit before it should have done, in my opinion. But I still enjoyed it. Um, the... Next match was the fatal four-way elimination match for the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, Bailey defeating uh, Charlotte, Sasha, and Nia Jax. Um, where to start on this match? I thought this match was pretty decent myself. Um, I definitely think, in hindsight, it should have been a three-way. Uh, because they they kind of got Nia out of the way relatively early in this match. And then went through the spots that they clearly wanted to do more. Um they were obviously going pretty fast, uh, like pressed for time already on this card because of other things that were going to be on there. So I think with a little bit more time, a three-way would have been really, really good. Um, some decent spots in this. I appreciate uh, what a lot of people said, that uh, they had obviously watched the tag match from the night before because there was a certain element to the, uh, the, the three girls teaming up to try eliminate Nia Jax that was reminiscent of that match. Um, what did you think of the women's match, Barry? I thought it was good. I, I did think it was funny, like you said, that they basically kind of redid the, the, the Authors of Pain story here with Nia Jax. Um, but yeah, you know, it's a solid story. 
you give him a pass on that. But um, I, I was kind of of the belief that it should have been a, a singles match, uh, Charlotte and Bailey. Uh, yeah. I don't know why they ended the Charlotte streak. I don't know why they gave Bailey the title when they oh, did. Oh, it's, it's all Charlotte completely baffling. Yeah, Charlotte did an interview where she said they they didn't want her to have 17 consecutive <laughs> <Yeah>. defenses <laughs> yeah. when John Cena was doing a 16 world uh, title run. T- title reign, which is a, a load of gibberish. But yeah. I totally believe that that's what she was told. Um, so so anyway, so that that aside, if it absolutely had to be a four way in their brains, I think it was solid. It's, Maybe a bit shortchanged on time, especially for elimination rules. I feel like they did the big stuff with Nia. Everyone was way in, or Nia rather. They did. Everyone was way into it. It, it got a big pop. She ran wild for a little bit. Then they teamed up to take her out. That was cool. And then it felt like you blinked and Sasha was gone. Yeah. And then I, they basically just did their near falls, which yeah. also felt fairly I, abrupt. I I think uh, Sasha was eliminated after Charlotte kind of uh, took the the padding off the middle turnbuckle, but she only kind of half took it off she couldn't get the padding off completely so i think a lot of people in the building missed that sasha had taken a header into the exposed turnbuckle so it was kind of baffling for a lot of people when she got eliminated it was a bit of kind of like air out of the balloon sort of moment um but yeah it was decent i think it was the 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 best execution of um charlotte's crazy twisting moonsault dive that i have seen to date it was spectacularly done uh, Lovely, yeah. In in this match, it was really brilliant. Um, so yeah, it, it was decent. I I still think I prefer for like women's matches uh, at Mania. I think I still prefer the three way from last year, but uh, it was pretty good for what it was. Uh, Jack, do you have any anything to add to that? Yeah, um, just kind of echo the sentiments. Uh, I like the teaming up on Nyra Automata. I, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I just wanted to make that pun. Uh, and then... <laughs> Um, I, I, I kind of concur with the whole sentiment of it probably being better as, as a one-on-one because when they added um, Naya, I guess it made sense like because they're, they're really trying to get her over, but the element of uh, Sasha in the match and the way that it was kind of built up to, especially I think it was a roar or two before Mania, they kind of sort of teased Charlotte going, you know, to, to Bailey, oh, she'll just turn on you the, the minute you get into the match. Like, So I sort of envisioned, envisaged a situation where it was like Charlotte and Sasha and Bailey left and like Sa- like Sasha could save Bailey, but she she doesn't. She just maybe let Charlotte pin her. And then those two like have a have a match, uh, and and obviously Sasha gets the upper hand, and then Sasha's kind of flipped, and then it's sort of Bailey versus Sasha for a while, which I thought would have been cool because that was kind of the way it looked like it was being written, but they didn't really pay that off at all. Um, so yeah, it was yeah, it, there were some odd choices, but ultimately it was the right thing for Bailey to win because she is uh, by far. In the sense that I think Asuka's the best wrestler, uh, the most over by a million years is, is Bailey. Like, she's just, everybody seems to love her. Yeah, although they're trying their best to make sure that isn't the case anymore uh, with some of the things they've had her do of late. Um, moving on to the, uh, the, the triple threat ladder match for the Raw Tag Team Championships. Uh, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, the club, came out. Cesaro and Sheamus came out. Enzo Big Cass came out. And then all of a sudden, our hosts for the evening, who thankfully, we hadn't really mentioned them before, um, the New Day were the hosts for the evening, and um, they came out in spectacular Final Fantasy cosplay, uh, and 
they in which Michael Cole doing the least convincing, <laughs> oldest, whitest dad read of an ad ever. If you listen to podcasts, there's no way you've ever heard an ad read as bad as this. Yeah. He's like, oh, the New Day, they're in their final fantasy outfits. You might even recognize a chocobo. <laughs> yeah, it was that, that was awkward. But uh, I, I'm I'm pleased to report that the New Day weren't as all over the show and annoying as some people were afraid they were going to be. They only showed up a couple of times, uh, and this was one of them, where they came out saying yeah. that uh, they had just received word that this ladder match had now become a fatal four-way match. Cue chance of delete, delete, delete from all around the place. Um, and they teased for a second that it was going to be them. Kofi took off his hat and started walking towards the ring a little bit, and then all of a sudden... Hardy Boys music hit, Matt and Jeff came out, everybody flipped their lid, including us at home, uh, and yep. it became a fatal four-way match. Uh, only went for 11 minutes, but it was, to me it was an awful lot of fun, and the Hardy Boys in 2017 won the tag team titles on WrestleMania, which is mental. Barry? Yeah, I loved it. I, I didn't think the, um, the, the match itself was maybe... Um, I, I didn't think it was especially memorable. They did some cool stuff, but uh, the moment is what is the is the, the the memorable thing here. And not to get into the whole matches or moments thing about WrestleMania, but um, God, it was so great! It was so great, and I loved the New Day's little fame that it was going to be them. They, you know, they teased yeah. that they were the ones in the match, and obviously they weren't. Um, yeah, I, uh, I I thought this the moment was great. And the match was was fine. It wasn't bad or anything, but it was it was a solid ladder match. But it was not super uh, super memorable. Jack, your thoughts? Uh, I think the the length of the match and what it was was because they were so beat up from their young box ladder match two days <laughs> two, before. Two ladder matches in one weekend is a lot, especially when you're in your mid to late thirties, like they both are now. Uh, yeah, that that must have been tough for those gentlemen. But yeah, it was great. I popped huge. I love that Hardy Boys music, man. It is so good. You know how like some superstars come back and the music sounds a little bit dated and it just... I mean, yeah, people react to it, but like you kind of think, oh, this is a bit cheesy. That Hardy Boys music, it just evokes like a certain electricity of emotion inside me and i just i yeah i i marked out huge i think i was at home by this time <laughs> by this point in the evening because i watched it various traveling i remember moaning to you dave like i'd watched it all the way to work like half an hour on my lunch break all the way home and i still had like three hours to go by the time i got home yeah <laughs> it was very unamused by it but yeah it, it it was great when the hardy boys came out you knew that they were probably going to win and you knew that jeff was just going to do one of those spots where they could kind of show it over and over again when they want to show a highlight from this match and yeah that huge ladder and the the swanton bomb onto um sheamus and cesaro was was pretty goddamn cool um considering yeah the guy's super old now and it's a shame they didn't get a chance to do the the whole broken hardies thing like matt well, teased it a yeah. little bit in a promo afterwards like yeah. there was a little voice break into it but uh I, it didn't matter well, i think as the they got that emotional sentimental pop from everybody yeah i, I was gonna just uh move over to who i think was, was the grand prognosticator of exactly how the hardies return to WWE would go and that's barry you kind of called this exactly that uh, they uh, yeah. they'd come back and Jeff Hardy would be 
pretty much exactly as he was during his his previous main event run with the company and Matt Hardy would be kind of like a wink and nod version of the broken character like he still had the streak in his hair he was doing the delete uh, hand gesture which I had never noticed till people started pointing it out over the weekend looks fairly dodgy if you don't know what it is um, but uh, yeah you, you, you call this pretty much exactly mate yeah, I although I'm worried if from from looking at his, his old tweet machine, I think Matt may be trying slowly trying to phase out the broken stuff. But yeah. uh, I was pleasantly surprised with that. But um, yeah, uh, that was a that was a, a weird little thing. And I do have to kind of give credit to WWE. There was a lot of debate. You know, I think we talked about it. Like everyone was like talking about it. It's like, will the Hardys be there? Will they be together? Will it be on Raw? Will it be on Mania? Will they be the broken characters? Will they be classic characters? And and really, I mean, they were generally they they were kind of closer to the uh, to how they remember it. And perhaps most importantly, they came out to their old music, which, as Jack said, it is a, a classic uh, uh, theme. And that was so right. That was so right. That moment wouldn't quite have worked if they had some CFO dollar sign um, <laughs> approximation of a broken song. Yeah. And it took the fans a few minutes to realize, wait, what's this? What's this? Oh, it's the Hardys. You know, it, it was better that they came out to their classic song and they came yeah. out looking like like the vast majority of fans would remember them. So, you know, we a lot of times WWE are criticized for their instincts and their decision making. Oh, this this was A plus. They were so right. And in hindsight, I'm kind of thinking hey, it was silly to even think they would come out to a different song or yeah. that they would be on separate brands or they'd come out on Raw like this. This. This was this was kind of the moment that really kicked this show into overdrive. I know yeah. the I know the second half, which we'll talk about in a bit, kind of took the air out of it. But this was the part of the show where people were like, "This is gonna be a, this is gonna be a great mania. This is gonna yeah. be a legendary mania." And it kind of was by the end. But but um, this this really this upped the ante really for this card. Absolutely, and uh, I, I think uh, the important thing going forward with the Hardys is not to let them fall into the trap that the Dudleys did, where let the nostalgia uh, kind of just run its course and then really deflate them as an act. Um, I know WWE, they definitely believe in Jeff as a singles, if he can stay clean, stay off the, the, the wacky tobacco and other substances. Um, yeah. so I, I, I do have faith that they will give him some sort of a run that eventually when kind of the nostalgia pop starts to wear off that they will split them um, and it'd be nice if certain lawsuits were settled by then and Matt could at least do some sort of approximation of the broken character which I think would yeah. be an ex like if you put him on Smackdown with something like that character I think he gets over big with it Um, so hopefully uh you know, uh, Jerry McDivitt or somebody can uh, work their legal magic and uh, wrestle that from away from TNA. But uh, moving on, uh, we had what I think was the best built feud of WrestleMania that turned into one of the kind of the, the most kind of anticlimactic <laughs> matches. Um, John Cena and Nikki Bella defeating Miz and Maurice. Um, you want to talk about, Jack mentioned five-star video packages. The video package for this match that encapsulated what was an, oh, yeah. an absolutely, spe- just an amazing feud building up to this match. Um, and then they just came out, and I, I, this is going to be weird to compare the, to compare these two things, but this match was very like, you guys know, uh, in New Japan, when there are matches that uh, Naito is in where he doesn't really want to be involved and he definitely doesn't want to hurt himself or work too hard and he doesn't even take off his t-shirt or his hat. 
that was <laughs> that was pretty much all four people in this match. Um, they came out Except here. Miz, man, I think Miz was awesome in this match. Like he was fucking quite everything he was doing he like hyped up and whipped up the crowd before every single spot and you know that would have looked cheesy as hell if if people booed or didn't care but this man was universally beloved he really was um but largely the um uh apart from Miz being over huge the, the the match really kind of was a whole lot of nothing and john cena and nikki bell just won uh kind of like it was it felt almost like they were getting it out of the way uh so that we could get to the big proposal that then happened afterwards um barry a few of your thoughts on this match if you even have any i honestly <laughs> can't even remember a single thing about it i, I was like yeah. everyone i was like hey, it happened it was over and i, I just kind of i got that it you know, wasn't the point um, i, I I felt it was uh, a little bit much that I know they hated, like, they at least pretend hate Cena, the, the hardcore creds, but the idea that they were just heavily booing the proposal was just, come on, guys. Initially they did, but I, I think it got over. A, a funny story surrounding this match was, um, you know, kind of, uh, do you guys get this where around Mania and stuff where wrestling's kind of more in the public lexicon, People that don't like wrestling that know you like wrestling ask you about wrestling related things. Yeah, it's usually when the, someone dies. Yeah, but the most <laughs> <laughs> the most I heard was about this match. I uh, there's a girl who like has never watched wrestling whatsoever, and I had no idea up until this moment that she is a huge Total Divas fan, and she was like <laughs> asking me like, "Is this? Do you think that proposal was real? And where can I watch WrestleMania and all of this sort of thing?" And she just wanted to see that one moment, and I was like, "Well, you know, maybe just oh, the free network or whatever for a month or." Yeah, she was excited, man. Like, genuinely, there's a whole subset of people that don't give a shit about the Fed, but do watch Total Divas, and that is astounding to me. Yeah, there's like it's the I think the only demographic, isn't it, Barry? That's that's growing among wrestling fans at the moment is women. And I guess so. You yeah. gotta say Total Divas and Total Bellas probably has a lot to do with that. Um, yeah, it's a decently successful show. Uh, yeah, cr- crazy, but uh, not really that much of a match. Um, moving on to speaking of not too much of a match, although you know, I liked it more than most people, uh, Seth Rollins defeating Triple H um, and finally getting away from that whole situation. Uh, this match went 25 minutes, which I think was at least five minutes too long. Yeah, um, I was going to say that five minutes that we felt like we lost off Owens Jericho uh, was on the end of this match for no reason. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, Popped Huge for Triple H's tricycle that he yeah. came, that he came <laughs> out on with, with Biker Steph. Um, no, you know what he was? He was on that bit of the Late Late Toy Show where the bikes come out. <laughs> he absolutely was. That's a very niche reference, but I love it. Yeah, that was. He was just showing his new tricycle he got for Christmas. <laughs> Uh, Seth came out and did what, like, I think, like, when you think about what the effect was in his head that he was bringing out the torch, you know, you could say that the symbol of the torch being passed and, uh, touching it to the ground and having it burn up a path all the way to the ring. I, like, it, in theory, that sounds like a really cool effect. I think it came off a little bit cheesy. Um. Oh, God, you look like a fucking golden power ranger. Yeah. That was not a good look for him yeah i i still think um the the 
the the high watermark for uh, really cheesy and uh, laughable entrances of recent years was Triple H's Terminator entrance a couple of years ago. So compared to that, it wasn't really that bad, but it was uh, yeah, it was a little bit strange. Uh, the, the match Triple H's entrance is gonna be the new Undertaker match oh, where God, people. <laughs> we were just hyped up about what kind of crazy hunter entrance we're gonna get this year. <laughs> I, really uh, I love them. My favorite cheesy mania entrance though was Miz's giant word awesome. After and that he... amazing video package. Yeah, he walked yeah. in between the ore and some and I was like, Yep, this guy like this it won't get any higher for him at any point and during it... the show. It's all downhill from <laughs> yeah. here. And for the rest of his career I think that was the probably the high point a few moments. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, this match, as we kind of uh, referenced earlier on in the show, was kind of uh, a lot of uh, working Seth's knee. That was the big story going into the match was Seth's knee being in bits. Um, I-, I think Triple H did some great promo work in the build up to this match. I don't think this was one of his his worst WrestleMania matches because uh, myself and Mark actually had a conversation quite recently about Triple H has had a surprising amount of stink out the building at WrestleMania matches uh, when you think about it. Um, or just matches that no one cares about. Yeah. I, I don't think like that match with uh, Orton where oh, they built God. it up with the wooden wife, like you've already mentioned, and stuff like that. That match fundamentally was sound, like it was a decent oh, match. But I, I don't no know, like cared less. Starting no, starting I, off with the spamming of the finishers and moving on. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like that at all. I didn't. I really yeah, like that match. Uh, I I, I'm the, I I don't go along with that one myself. I, I really... Oof. And then last year, uh, Barry, you probably feel the same, having to witness that Triple H, Roman, slow, plodding yeah. main event match. Uh, he's had a couple I, mean, of... I, I think I, I think this one was the worst of them all, though. I, I, really? I, I oh, really I hated that. Yeah, no. I really, really hated this match. <laughs> I thought it was formulaic, and I have to say, I'm not, a, I'm not typically a stickler for the selling, but Seth Rollins was doing my head in in this match. I really because when he was selling, it was good. I didn't have a problem with this selling. It's just yeah. I was like, you know, the spot people do all the time where they're in like say power bomb position and they fight off the guy's shoulders, but when they land, they tweak their knee. Yeah, like he did like two spots back to back like that. Where the first time he did it, he tweaked his knee, and the second time he didn't. And they were like right back to back, and I was like, I, I don't what are the yeah. rules what are you like what are you going for uh, you know and, and the, the the real killer for me and this is actually this is as much on triple h as set like this was like inexplicable to me i couldn't get this was that triple h is working over Seth. he's just sets on the ground just working him over working him over and, and triple h just grabs a chair sticks on his leg and just pilmanizes him and then just does it a second time immediately after which was like with without any build up which was which was so like, I feel like if Triple H saw someone on the Indies do that, he'd lecture them about how amateurish it was. And then Triple H goes up on the top rope to, like, give him a third Pillman spot to really finish him up. Seth pops up and throws the chair at his head, and they go top rope and do a superplex spot. And I'm just like, that's that should be death. That should be, that should be crippled. You know, that should mm. be the end of you. And I'm like I say, I'm not typically someone who who, who thinks like that. But the you know the Pillman spot—that's like one of the most protected things they have. They never mm-hmm. WWE never really does that anymore. Uh, I just there was just little things like that. Seth was flying all over the shop, and it was just it was very inconsistent. And uh, I just 
like yeah. it at all. I, I wouldn't go quite as far in, in terms of harshness as as you have, Barry, even though like every point you brought up there is valid. I, I'd lean closer to Jack that I was I was quite fine with it. I think it was it went too long for my tastes and there was a couple of moments early on in set selling where on, on Twitter at the time I was comparing it to, you know, when Peter Griffin falls down and hurts his knee in Family Guy that was very much just holding the knee and just ah, ah, for ages. Um, <laughs> th- that's kind of what it was like, but I, I, w- I was fine with it mostly. I, I wouldn't definitely put it in the, the, what is, I feel, an extensive pantheon of not-so-great Triple H matches at WrestleMania. Myself and Mark had the discussion recently of, I wonder if, like, if you average out star ratings per match they've had, has Vince McMahon a better star rating per WrestleMania match average than Triple H? Because he had his match with Sean, that was incredible. His match with Shane, that was incredible. And yeah. his uh, his match with um, Hogan, which, like, for spectacle, was definitely incredible. Um, I, I, whereas Triple H, the, the, the Mania matches that stick out in my mind for Triple H are all, like, dull or worse. Um, you know, there's a couple of good ones. The, the ones with Taker are, are pretty good. But outside that, I start to struggle. Uh, having memorable Triple H moments at uh, at WrestleMania. Do you think he forced those Taker matches just to get his star average up? Or is, <laughs> where he started to realize, like, oh, fuck, most of my matches at WrestleMania, like, yeah. either people don't care or they just haven't gone well. Yeah. I oh. need to wrestle Taker. I need this for my, my own personal reputation. His match with Big Dave as well, actually, should be mentioned. I, I enjoyed his oh, match yeah, with Big th- Dave. Yeah. Um... um so Michael Cole can't say Seth Rollins. He says Seth Rollins. And like, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys uh, are going to claim Michael Cole as Irish, but no. for, for a pronunciation choice, uh, that's very odd for an American. Everything, every time he says Seth Rollins, like, uh, if, I'm sure Vince would, why is he not going crazy about that? Like, that is very annoying. Um. Yeah, the, the, this this match was just it was, it was a little bit too long for me, and I think it was at the wrong point in the show for a match that long and that focused on uh, working over a body part. Um, but moving on from that now, and you want to talk about stinkers? Um, Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt for the WWE Championship, where Randy Orton overcame not only Bray Wyatt but PowerPoint. Um, oh, <laughs> fucking hell. Point. I was shocked when I when I drew up the notes for this show and saw that this match only went ten minutes because my god it felt like hours. <laughs> I mean I I also disliked it, although I had the the opposite reaction where it's just like it felt like there was no actual wrestling here. So I just in my memory this was like two minutes. They did a headlock, they did they showed a graphic, they did another headlock, they showed a graphic, there was an RKO and it was over. It was um I, I hated this match. I, I hated the like the, the 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 first time they did the the, the kind of the, the picture of the maggots projected onto the ring not only did it look terrible but it completely deflated the entire room everybody everybody was like what in the fuck is going on silent like uh, do you know the thing as well like I know this is kind of almost like no one cares about it anymore, and I'm going to sound a bit like Lance Storm, probably, but <laughs> if we're believing that this is a shoot here, uh, and this is a legitimate fight, are we to understand that Bray Wyatt 
as a distraction technique to beat Randall Keith Orton has paid off the guy that does the lighting for the show to project various creatures and creepy crawlies in the ring because that would work to his advantage rather than using the time that Orton is down to actually continue to beat him up. I it's I just I hated it. I hated it, hated it, hated it, hated it. And again, like I mentioned earlier on the show, remember when Randy Orton said on the Hall of Fame show that they had cooked up some stuff that no one had ever seen before that they thought people were going to really enjoy? Wrong, Randall. Wrong. That it was oh god, it was awful. Like they should have been able to tell from how down people were as soon as they started all the magical bullshit in that feud this was not going to go great uh, in front of a live crowd but they did it anyway and we're going to have to put up with something similar at their House of Horrors rematch uh, at the end of the uh, month I just hope they just beat the shit out of each other with gimmicks <laughs> for like 10 minutes how much better would that have been in, <sighs> in this Speaki- instance speaking of Can I, just, I need to raise a point and, and, and I think this is unfair but do either of you guys really give a shit? And have you given a shit in years about Randy Orton? No, not not really. Like there'll be the occasional match or spot that I enjoy. Like I really liked his match with AJ, and specifically the spot where AJ faked him out for the RKO. Um, and I I like some stuff he does sometimes. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, and particularly as a babyface, I don't really give a shit about him and i haven't for a long time i enjoyed some of the stuff that like most of the the early to middle part of the feud with the white like where he had joined the wyatts and him and bray were the tag champs i was really enjoying that um but you know good things never last what about you barry are you a, a I, randall fan i i have been for quite a while but i'm certainly not in the mod in the in the recent you know the last couple of years no I, i'm not gonna go to uh to bash for him. I liked um, the the last draft they did before they abolished the draft and then brought it back this most recent time. When he was drafted to SmackDown and he was basically like the ace of SmackDown. I think that was his first time being separated from John Cena in quite some time. And he was he was the guy on SmackDown and he was having great TV matches and I was I was really, really, really uh, into him in that time, but that—I mean—that quickly dissipated. That—that that was yeah. the year he had the Mark, the Mark Henry feud and and the Christian feud, and he was That's working it. his ass off, and he was having great TV matches. When he when he hit that leapfrog on Mark Henry and then freaked out, he was so excited with himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> little things like that. Yeah, I am. Um, I think yeah, the the Christian feud was awesome. And it felt like a real reinvention of, of Randy Orton as it's like it, he'd been booked in this stuff and no one really cared. But he went over to SmackDown, like Barry said, he's away from Cena. Um, he's not being overbooked. And the matches he had with Christian just kind of reminded everyone like this guy is a great worker. Yeah, he's he he's really effing good. Yeah. So if you if you kind of limit the gimmicks around him and just let him be Randy Orton, the worker guy, and uh, and maybe even just don't have him talk a hell of a lot as well. That that never seems to help. Hmm. But they've gone back, and having this magical nonsense feud against a guy no one cares about, for a guy everyone wants to care about but can't because they're limiting him, is just a real misuse of talent. Hmm. Yeah, and and the um, I, I can't remember if I said this on the preview show, but he just seems so completely done 
with everything mentally. I, I, oh, I, yeah, I never he, got the fight. He, he it, checked it, out about a month ago in this feud. Like, I think as soon as maybe someone showed him the script where they had him burning down the shed, he went, okay, it's it's this kind of a thing now, and completely checked out. Yeah. Oh, that was... that. That's still one of the best things I've seen all year. <laughs> oh, it was inc- oh, I loved it. I loved it. But considering what it did Not to that feud, right I don't know. Um, Not for the right reasons, yeah. but the, the striking of the pose in front of the burning <laughs> building—that will be yeah. a meme. That will be a meme for years, guys. Like it's um, just great. Speaking of the polar opposite of that match, Brock Lesnar defeating Goldberg for the Universal Championship. Fucking hell, this match was incredible. Um, this is exactly what the casual wrestling fan wants. Entrances and finishers. That's all that happened here. It was just... Yeah, WrestleMania! It was just big fucking moves. Big dads knocking the shite out of each other. It was... Oh, I really love this. And as Goldberg then pointed out on his uh, his promo on uh, after Raw on the, on the Monday night... It, 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 I think it made up for the, the horror that was WrestleMania 20. This is exactly what that match should have been. Um, Goldberg actually taking bumps was pretty incredible to watch. Um, there's one particular one um, that he took um, from a German suplex where I was like, good lord, Bill, you're actually putting a shift in this evening. Um couple of really good spots in this match. I think my favourite spot, before I hand it off to one of you guys, is the uh, <laughs> where Brock threw him around for a little while. And in some of the best camera work I've seen in quite a while, there was a kind of a, a close-up on Brock as he had just tossed Goldberg. He gets up, turns around, and Goldberg flies from the side of the screen in and spears him out of his fucking boots. And I flip my lid. Uh, it was only 4 minutes 45 seconds, but to me it was exactly what it needed to be. Barry, what did you think of this one? Uh, you, you nailed it head on, and and the spot that you mentioned is also my favorite thing, because um, and it it kind of sums up why people like this stuff. And I'm someone who really wasn't into this uh, until this match. This match won me around. But it's like they, they, these two monsters built up as monsters who who are big and scary, and they run fast. And when they tackle you, it's a real tackle. And when they throw you, it's a real throw. And just Brock standing up, house of fire. And before he can even get one of his mad, inhumane screams out, Goldberg has tackled him to the ground <laughs> ferociously. It was great. It was great. And it was just, it was, um, it, it made the whole journey seem worthwhile, which is really saying something. It's one thing to pay off a great feud. It's another to kind of take a feud that I wasn't really feeling and, and make me, invest me in it. Uh, yeah, it was great. It was a harsh battle. It really was. And um, uh, it felt like a, a, it felt like all in all, Goldberg got a nice little run. Um, yeah. So I, I thought it was great. And, and four minutes again, commending WWE's decision making that they they had the time and the structure of this bang on I I don't think I would have changed anything no Jack uh yeah I mean there's not a lot of spots to talk about that you guys haven't mentioned but the leapfrog spot I mean Lesnar must be what 300 pounds now Goldberg is six foot fucking four a 300 pound man like, while a guy was running at him at six foot four, leapfrogged him. That is insane athleticism. Like, it is, it's crazy. Like, I don't know if you heard um, Kurt Angle on, uh, on Jericho's podcast, but he was just talking about how anything Brock Lesnar ever did in uh, anything, basically, he was really fucking good at it. 
Yeah. And he was saying the only reason that he beat him in, in that sort of shoot fight that they had is because he's an Olympic gold medalist and Brock hadn't had real like high level wrestling training. He said if he had like a few months of it, he would have beaten the shit out of him in that match. <laughs> like this guy can do literally anything he wants to do. And you know, the thing I love about that is you look at him and he seemingly doesn't care that he can do anything that he yeah. wants to do. He's, he's just, he's very flippant about it. Brilliant. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I love, I love when Paul stands next to him and he's like, my client would want you to know. And like Brock Lesnar gets like a little look on his face and he's like, yeah, oh, yeah. That's the... this is this is what I want you to know. Having uh, rewatched that uh, th- that match uh, a couple of days ago, my favorite part of that leapfrog spot is that he manages to evade the spear because Paul, being the greatest wrestling manager of all time, had roared at him, "Brock, he's going to spear you! Spear! He's gonna spear you!" <laughs> oh. It was perfect, and it was great as well that, uh, unlike last year's performance, Brock actually showed up here to put on a show. Uh, last year against Dean Ambrose, he was completely checked out, um, so it was good to see him and Goldberg really putting a shift in here. Uh, the semi-main event of WrestleMania 33, technically, was the six-pack challenge for the Women's Championship on SmackDown, where Naomi defeated Alexa Bliss, Carmella, uh, Mickie James, uh, Natalia, and Becky Lynch. Uh, my only thoughts on this were, um, one, I thought uh, Becky's uh, Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn cosplay was fucking excellent. Uh, uh, I thought Naomi winning was probably the right call. And other than that, I have no fucking thoughts about this because this barely existed. Uh, Barry? Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Um the eternal debate about should they have just sucked it up and been on the pre-show and gotten 15 minutes, you know, I mean, that's, that's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, but then Naomi's entrance would have sucked and let's be real. That was a cool entrance. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I like the SmackDown women's division. Yeah, um, me too. Not all of them, but, um, I suppose, um, I, I, I was probably ultimately happy that they got to have a show and they got to, they, rather, they got to be on the main show. Mm. Um, and Naomi got to do her entrance. And I'll tell you what, the one, it was a nice little moment on the main show when she won her title back. Uh, I think Naomi genuinely loves wrestling. And, and when she, both times she won the title, um, uh, it's it looked like it meant something to her, so I was all right with this. But yeah, I mean, look, they they got in there, they did their moves. The moves were all right. There was a little bit of sloppiness, but it wasn't terrible. And then it ended, so it, it was what it was. Jack, anything on this? Uh not particularly. I think Becky Lynch was the the best worker in this match by some distance. She took the majority of the match herself, really, and got a lot of work in here. Uh, I still kind of feel like she's been stiffed of the of the four horsewomen with with having to be on SmackDown and not really getting the the rub of working with as high a quality of of mm. of person there. But um, Naomi winning is just yeah, I, I like Naomi and she seems really nice and she's very solid. But I just I don't really care about her. Are you, are you doing a Brian Alvarez? I'm sure she's a nice girl. I'm sure she's a nice girl. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I it kind of is a little bit in a way. But at at the same time, it's not her fault that I don't care about her that yeah, much. Yeah, it's true. It's the it's the company's fault. Like 
if it was just like I walked into a room and had a 15 minute conversation with her and I'm like, I'm sure she's nice, but I don't give a shit about her. Then yeah, then I'm the arsehole. Right. But she's being booked and these are storylines. So they should have made me care about her more and made this feel kind of more momentous uh, than they did. Like, but Hey, you know, I'm sure they can, they can do that on TV and they can, kind of build her up and, and do whatever they want with her but yeah the, the match itself there were there were too many women in it as i thought as also i i, I can understand them wanted to get them on the show but it didn't really need that many people in it. i think really mickey james naomi and and um and becky were the, the ones that actually did things that mattered in the match and, and no one else everyone else was just kind of there you know yeah um the main event of wrestlemania uh Roman Reigns defeating The Undertaker in 23 minutes. Um, this match was sad in a couple of different ways, I think. Uh, sad because we, we ultimately got to see the retirement of The Undertaker, and also sad because the match really wasn't a whole hell of a lot to talk about. It was going okay early on, and then there was, uh, I think it was around the, the last ride spot out of the corner where it completely then started to fall apart. There was a really, really sad moment where uh, Undertaker and Roman failed to do a tombstone reversal twice in the space of a couple of seconds. Um, And it's a shame that it looks like this is the end for The Undertaker and he goes out on one of his worst WrestleMania outings rather than one of his better ones. Um, I don't really have a whole hell of a lot to say about this except... um, it was still, in spite of the bad match, it was still kind of like an emotional affair at the end because, um, like, Taker is one of, if not the last guy who was still, who was active, that was active when I started watching wrestling back in the mid-1990s. Um, so it was quite something to see a, a real titan of uh, my childhood uh, retiring. Um, Jack, your thoughts on this? I mean, what can you say to to sum up the career of the Undertaker? Because we, we, we could do a whole other two hour podcast about it. You know, absolutely. The, the guy has been a consummate professional. He's, you know, there have been manias in the last maybe ten years where it kind of partly felt skippable, but you knew that there was going to be that Undertaker match on the show. You knew there was going to be that moment and. It just it it gave it that sense of grandiosity and an occasion that mm. you you don't necessarily get in anywhere else in the wrestling world. You know, WrestleMania, of course, is this big shining beacon, but even head and shoulders above that, the Undertaker match at WrestleMania felt so real. And I I think that obviously, you know, beating him a couple of years ago, Brock winning and stuff people kind of have their mixed feelings about that and maybe if they really wanted to get the heat on Roman having him win this while while he was unbeaten would have been uh kind of more significant but uh, I I still think that it it almost when it stopped being about the streak and it just started being about this guy kind of clearly headed towards the sunset and still coming out once a year and just giving it absolutely everything that he possibly could blood sweat and tears and you know he was always that stable guy in the locker room as well everyone talks about how you know they would go to taker like even triple h you know who who clearly thinks a lot of himself 
something would always go to taker as like his his voice of of logic and reason and stuff so mm. uh yeah I, there's there's nothing too much i could say about taker other than he is a true legend of the business and um you know everyone gets hyped up on the mount rushmore thing and i think you have to put him for wwe's mount rushmore uh, at the very back looking menacing because yeah. the guy is just awesome uh barry, barry your, your thoughts on, on this match and uh the seeing the end of the undertaker uh yeah it was it was sad the 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 tombstone spot you talked about obviously was was the major thing but man the 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 messing up of the spear there at the end with rage oh, hits God. the ropes yeah. It comes back a taker and then time stands still while they figure out what to do. Oh no. Oh god. Just it was it was so it was so like lame to watch. And that was the finish too. That was a thing. Reigns just had to do it again and, and hit him. Oh what it was a bummer. It was just a bummer. Yeah. Um uh, the the actual the actual post match thing uh was was cool uh you know the, the 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 folding up of the of the the gear the crowd cheering and like ultimately the quality of the match didn't really hinder the crowd's reception to him so i guess who really cares yeah um but uh yeah it was rough it was rough you know and and, and that's the tale of undertaker pretty much since 30 yeah um you know including that match itself it's just been he hasn't really all been there yeah. um, apart from that, that re- the rematch with brock was great but that was like apart from that it's been pretty much uh disappointing ever since that that 30 match you're right yeah um uh, my fi- before we move on to just some uh some final thoughts about the the aftermath of wrestlemania i think my favorite uh wrestlemania stat this year was in spite of the fact that they kind of uh, did a sneaky shortcut and had undertaker come up through the floor uh, a good halfway down the ramp his entrance still lasted longer than the brock goldberg match which was great <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Moving on anyway, I think part of the, the interest around WrestleMania is like, how do they stick the landing? The Raw after Mania has become a re- really synonymous with big moments, uh, returns or debuts. And, and like, it used to be a case, uh, and Barry, you probably remember this, and Jack as well. Like, it wasn't too long ago, guys, that uh, pretty much the Raw after Mania was, okay, let's just do the same match again for Backlash. Uh, but it's become an entirely different beast, hasn't it, Barry? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of, I don't know. I, I don't really know how to feel about it, to be honest. It's just, I feel like there's more hot takes about it than the actual thing itself these days. Mm, that's for sure. Um, a couple of the... Do you know what it is to me? Like, I, I think a good comparison. So you've got like 70 odd thousand people or, or whatever amount of people were actually there, uh, at WrestleMania, um, uh, and everyone loves it and you know the people are vocal and stuff like that but then you've got like this hardcore like 18 15,000 people that come and it's kind of like you know you, your home fans versus your away fans if you if you want to yeah. put it as a football metaphor yeah. so your away fans are like those 4,000 people in the corner up high singing louder than the home fans for the whole time uh, and those are the people turning up to the Wrestlemania after or the Raw after Wrestlemania rather yeah uh, a couple of things from the uh, the, the Raw after Mania. Uh, we had the debut of the Revival on Raw. A yeah. little bit of a surprise. I, I was kind of pulling for them to go to SmackDown because I thought, you know, Revival uh, could have helped uh, bring American Alpha back from the absolute abyss that they're in at the moment with a solid feud with them. But uh, they showed up on Raw here to a rapturous ovation 
and in one of my favourite moments of all of WrestleMania weekend, um, turned over and stamped on the ice cream cart of the New Day and uh, beat the New Day and are now running with the gimmick that they broke Kofi's ankle. Uh, Loving seeing the revival up on the main roster at long last. There's already a t-shirt about how they broke Kofi's ankle and also a t-shirt that that puts 2017 to 2017 RIP their ice cream cart as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they, Absolutely phenomenal work. They showed up in those t-shirts last night on Raw. It was fantastic. Glad to see the revival coming up. Uh, we also have Kurt Angle as the new general manager of Raw. I think a lot of people really saw that coming um, with uh, Mick leaving and Kurt Angle coming back into the fold. And it's I think it's the perfect position to have Kurt in that um, you can have him do the, the the backstage skits that he's always been really, really good at um, as he's getting used to being on the road with the company. And then if down the road, you know, the body is holding up, he's in a perfect position to, like, create some tension with somebody to build towards a match. Um, if I were to get off you guys um, very quickly, if he passes medical, if... Uh, eventually they decide to build towards a Kurt Angle match with somebody either you know SummerSlam or Wrestlemania next year um, who's who's the one guy you think could have a, a, a great feud to a match with Kurt Angle there over on Raw where he is now uh, we'll go with I, Barry sorry I didn't mean to jump ahead no, there you're... I've already made my, my, my prediction and I hope I'm wrong but I think it's going to be Triple H Oh, yeah. I think I think Triple H just has this thing where he he puts himself in the same category as Shane Goldberg, Brock, Kurt, the the part timers, the the past stars, and thus he thinks everyone wants to see a dream match with him. We had to have three Brock matches, a fucking Sting match. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I think he they do value him in that regard way more than he's actually worth, and. Um, yeah, and I think I think him replacing Steph on Raw. I mean, the 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 angles pre-built um, that would bum me out. I would obviously <laughs> much rather. Um, actually, now that I think about, it, I actually don't. I haven't because that's my that's been my theory for a while. I've never really thought who would I really like to see him wrestle, but um, maybe Rusev. That's exactly the one I want. <laughs> Like Amer- yeah, American, he's a great worker, and he has the anti-American thing. Yeah, anti-American thing versus the American hero. The fact that uh, like Rusev's backstage comedy is goddamn amazing. Uh, I think they could have some really, really cool segments building up each other, and like the the fact that Rusev kind of works that uh, that powerhouse uh, grappler style. I think works really well with Kurt. And I think he'd be safer than, like, I think one of the other ones people might have suggested would be Brock, but I genuinely, for his health and safety, would not put Kurt Angle in the ring with Brock Lesnar. Um, Jack, have you got anybody, uh, apart from Handsome Rusev, that you would like to see Kurt Angle tussle with? Yeah, uh, I also just want to put Rusev over. Uh, he's <laughs> awesome. Uh, so, yeah, um, my three are, like, so there's one that I would love to see just because I think it would be fucking incredible especially given the context of stuff we've already talked about in the show there's one that i'd like because it kind of paid off it pays off something that they didn't actually deliver and there's one that i think makes complete sense um so the three in in that order are the dream matches i'd love to see him versus aj in a wwe ring i think it'd be great i saw that at a tna house show in dublin once and it was incredible 
there you go right um so yeah to have some actual some meaning behind that would be really cool uh, and then aj to have like fucking four star quality matches with the two general managers of the two shows as well <laughs> <laughs> like what bizarreness is that um the match that like like they kind of alluded to but never able to deliver would be him versus miz so if miz was was drafted to rural or whatever uh and he and has been he and he has been, so there you go. And they could actually pay it off and they could have Angle beat Miz, which I think would be really cool. You know, Miz winding him up and finally goading him into a fight. Or the one that I think makes the most sense, just because I think it's a really good um, mixture of character and ideology, would be Kevin Owens versus Kurt Angle. I think that, that was my sneaky one. That I don't know how they'd get to it, but I would like to see it. Um, I think they could though. I think Kevin Owens is so smart with with everything about his character. Like he takes so much care. Like the little touches and everything that he does mm. are just a level above most of the guys in the company. Like yeah. you can see why they kind of almost don't care about Kevin Owens' physique or whatever. Like it wasn't even a concern for them. Like they may have got rid of Chris Hero ages ago because of that element. But Owens is such a great pro wrestler. Like he's not, you know, a great athlete necessarily, but as a pro wrestler, there's not many people in the company better than him. And I think he would have a a really good feud and, you know, the match quality, who knows where Kurt Angle was at this point, but it would be a really interesting and captivating watch for a couple of months. Um, Coming back to Raw on the, uh, the, the the Raw after Mania were, firstly, Emma, who has who went from Emma to Emmalina back to Emma, and has, within two weeks, already kind of, sort of, just settled into just being another person on the roster instead of getting any sort of push whatsoever, which is a shame, because I, I liked her heel character when she was in NXT with Dana. Um, but... You know, whatever. She might get shifted to SmackDown tonight, uh, as we're recording this. But um, the other person that returned... They just shift there, like, every couple of weeks. (laughs) Just somewhere else, different character. (laughs) Yep. Um, The other person that returned on the Raw after Mania was Finn Balor. Um, And I think having him back and uh, mixing it up there towards the top of the card on Raw, I think, is a bit of a breath of fresh air. Um feud with Bray Wyatt yeah that's the that's the that's the thing they're teasing on Raw because Bray Wyatt has now gone to Raw that it's going to be Bray and Finn Balor which god bless Finn Balor he he will try his best but if they I would rather see Finn Balor feud with his hometown of Bray than feud with (laughs) Bray Wyatt indeed um the uh yeah the, the feud if the the actual match like because bray wyatt's pretty decent in the ring and with the right person has really good matches so like if they but tone the down the magical shite yes yeah, that's the thing um because you know because of the the demon uh the demon entrance that finn Balor will be doing that they will tone up the magical crap because of that uh so that's kind of disappointing also speaking of finn's returning at his first singles match on raw this week with jinder mahal and did anybody else see him get legitimately ko'd in that match yeah did you see this jack i didn't he get ko'd in this match yes he i wasn't paying super attention but i did watch it you should watch the gif he came off the ropes and jinder mahal legitimately like 
elbow struck him in the temple and he went down like a sack of potatoes like completely straight down onto his face his arms dropped to his side and I think it seemed to be that the collision with the mat woke him up again and he went through the finish of the match you know coup de gras pinned him one two three and when it closed up uh, when the camera went close up on Finn during celebration at the end you can see the the red marks on the bridge of his nose and his forehead from where his face just smashed into the ring uh, it was really, really rough looking, and I think Jinder Mahal is uh, the, possibly the new King of Strong Style. Uh, between that and the the shoot drop kick he gave Roman Reigns a while ago, where he caught him right in the fucking chops. Um, yeah, I would not like to have been Jinder Mahal going back into Gorilla after that match. He, you could see it in his face that he knew he'd hurt him. Um, what did you think of that whole affair, Barry? Um. I don't know. I'm kind of. I'm just kind of numb to it all. Honestly, yeah. I'm. Just, I'm just. You know. Yeah. Poor guy. Jinder has you know been hindered once I feel, again. I feel bad for Jinder because you know I think there was that tweet from him the other day where everyone is saying, "Oh yeah," how he's kind of you know clearly on something and blah blah blah, and he seemed really upset by it, and he's just you know putting over the fact that he genuinely has worked really hard. He's training, he's eating right, and and everybody's just giving him shit for being a steroids guy, and he's saying he isn't, and like there is no reason not to believe him, and yeah. I, I respect how hard that he's working, and you know this is a big spot for him to to come back and uh, for Ballard to come back and and have a match with Mahal, so like yeah, he he, uh, it sucks that he kind of blew it then if if that's what I, happened. It's just it's so hard for me to muster a take about Jinder Mahal you know it's just like <laughs> yeah. I just can't really I think, comment but, one way or the yeah, other but, but, I've, never, I've never gotten a read on him as a worker honestly I've never because he's never he's never had a run where he's had especially long matches and he didn't no. do much he didn't do much on the indies when he left the first time I no. I just don't really have an opinion on him yeah. although I I mean I I agree I a feel bad for him hurting Finn unintentionally and I do I do kind of feel bad for the stick he's getting. I, I you yeah. know, innocent until proven guilty and all that. Yeah. Um I <laughs> I think um oh what was I gonna say there that that um yeah, just a poor guy. I, I, I feel really bad for him. And between between that moment where he elbowed Finn right in the side of the head, and there was another scary moment on that show uh, where Nia Jax dropped uh, Charlotte headfirst onto her oh, own yeah. knee and then headfirst oh. onto the mat. Like, there was a couple of moments on that Raw where I was like, oh, Jesus. Like, because we had that year. It was, a couple of, it was right before WrestleMania 31 where everybody on the roster was getting injured. And I was like, please don't start off the wrestling year like that right after mania um, that charlotte one was awful though yeah. like, you just saw her whole body jar when she hit her knee and then she may well have been unconscious as well when when her head went down to the mat because yeah. that was just ugly that's the sort of thing where it just evokes that image of of that um pile driver from from owen hart on austin yeah. and you just oh you hate to see someone get their head spiked like that oh. yeah that was that was a weird spot too she kind of like bounced off the shoulder breaker and yeah that it was, was odd. it was really uncomfortable to watch um the i'm just gonna run down the list here we have a couple of points left uh two more points in raw and then just a brief mention of smackdown and then we'll, we'll be done here but uh i want to make mention of the 
the refresh that was done in this superstar shakeup to Raw. Uh, so Raw has now gotten, uh, provided no changes happen. We're recording this before SmackDown. Um, but I would assume most of the things that happened on SmackDown would be Raw people coming over to SmackDown rather than the other way. Um, Raw has so far gotten Bray Wyatt, Alexa Bliss, Mickey James, Kurt Hawkins, Dean Ambrose, The Miz, Maurice, Apollo Crews, Kalisto, Heath Slater, Rhino, and David fucking Atunga on commentary, uh, with Byron going the other way to SmackDown. Uh, my favourite thing about this is that Miz had one of the MVP performances uh, in the whole company last year uh, with his work on the mic and his work in this Cena feud in particular was just stellar um, that I thought, okay, like maybe we should, you know, keep him on SmackDown, give him a go, like cycle him into the wor- a world title feud sometime in the summer, give him a go. He's He's really earned it with the work he's been putting in. And get him away from this intercontinental title feud finally. And in one night they shifted him to the brand that doesn't have a world title full time on it anymore. And within moments the intercontinental title followed him over. Uh, (laughs) I feel really bad for this guy. um, Because he definitely deserves better based on his performances. But other than that I don't really have a lot of... A lot of takes on these people that are coming over. I think instead of making... A couple of them are losses to SmackDown, like The Miz. And uh, Alexa Bliss, I think, is a real loss to the women's division over there. Um, And definitely a loss to Talking Smack. Um, But other than that... As is The Miz. What? As is The Miz, yeah, that's Uh, true. You're just going to have the the creepy Usos for an hour, which, look, look, I'm, I'm I'm not objecting to that. I think that could be a lot of fun. Um, but I think a lot of these kind of, it felt like with Dean Ambrose, with Kurt Hawkins and with Apollo Crews and Kalisto and stuff like that, it kind of felt like some of the Deadwood was being cleared off SmackDown. Did you get a, yeah. a, a whiff of that, Barry? I was, uh, I was kind of happy to see most of these people go, to be honest. Like Alexa Bliss, I like her. Obviously, she's got great personality. She's, uh, yeah. you know, one of the better emotors and, in the red. And God, she saved that segment with the women last night on Raw. Yeah, she's like, she... She's talented. I feel like the inner ring is still like super lacking, like really, yeah. really lacking. She she's so just I, missing. I, she she hasn't quite figured it out yet. Yeah. So I mean, if if the hypotheticals that most people are throwing around are correct, and she goes in favor of Charlotte, then I'm I'm all for that. Mm. Um, Bray Wyatt, ecstatic to see the back of him. I'm only a regular <laughs> SmackDown watcher. Got no time for him at all. Uh, I I would and, and you know following on our Orton discussion earlier wouldn't wouldn't care less if Orton was taken off SmackDown as well. Yeah. Uh, Hawkins, forget it. Uh, Dean Ambrose, I'm not an anti Ambrose guy, no, but at the same I. time I, I I'm not going to weep for his loss. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm anti kind of jokey jokey Ambrose, and I much prefer when he's serious. And I really wish they had uh, pulled the trigger on the the heel turn they were teasing during his feud with Dolph Ziggler. Uh, and I had re- <laughs> I really wished it wasn't Ziggler they had turned at the end of that feud, um, because Lord knows he he has done nothing with that turn. I think a, a heel Dean Ambrose won't run could be uh, could really re-energize my interest in him. But as it was, yeah, yeah I I wasn't really sad to see the back of him. Uh, any any thoughts you have, Jack, on this kind of this shake up? These people moving to Raw, <laughs> they really don't have a fucking clue what to do with Dean Ambrose anymore, do they? No. Um, do you remember, I don't do you remember, think do you remember how, how, how sad it how sad it is in retrospect when Dave Meltzer was like, "It's so obvious that of the three Shield guys, Dean Ambrose is the guy." 
Remember that? Yeah, but remember those he fun was times? Right at the, he, he was, was right, right at, the time. at the time. He was. That's what's really sad. He was, he was so right at the time because everyone was reacting to Dean Ambrose. They really had something there, and there. And I think it's almost like the 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 reaction Roman gets now is kind of like almost getting to the Cena cliche level. But I think part of people's negative reaction to roman initially is that he was the guy that they'd circled and everybody wanted that same push for dean and he just wasn't getting it yeah so i and now i just think that people don't give a shit about dean because they've kind of made them not care about dean and, and that yeah. really sucks because that guy they had that lightning in the bottle with him and they just didn't deliver on it like mm. he could have been a huge star the where owens is now is where ambrose could legit be but he he's not in that bracket yeah not, and not i think that sucks and i don't think i think that he has to take partial responsibility for that because i think he's been a difficult guy behind the scenes and hasn't really helped himself but they really haven't helped him either so yeah that's kind of sad to see yeah. uh, one that i think was the wrong move for the guy because there's so much talent there is Apollo Crews. I feel like Apollo Crews needs to go back to NXT because yeah. that he is so talented. Like it's it's just it's almost offensive that of something that a guy that size can do, like the way he can move. He he, he moves like, you know, almost as well as, uh, and, and can flip almost as well as Will Ospreay. And yeah. he has like the strength of like Kurt Angle in his prime and that sort of squat wrestler kind of uh, way in the way that he carries himself. Mm. But he's just so nothing. Like there's nothing. Uh, and he needs rehabbing character wise massively. And I think NXT could have done that for him and, and they could have brought him back up and made him feel like a deal again because yeah. he's just dropped into the mid card and, and, and it's a real shame. And he might be one of those guys that needs to go away uh, a bit like Drew Galloway slash McIntyre did and kind of find himself again yeah, on the yeah. indies and, and maybe yeah. find a character he needs he just needs something to give him a little bit of shine because mm. it's impossible to care and that sucks when he's when he's really good uh um, as for everyone else agree with you on alexa bliss love her as a person her in ring isn't that, that great and the rest of the people nah. yeah um smackdown then um smackdown have already got from the the smackdown after mania they got ty dillinger who i am so legitimately happy for that guy with the amount of combined time he spent in his two tenures down in developmental that he's finally getting a sh- uh, a crack and i think smackdown is the perfect place to have him um i, I think he would he, he may get lost in the shuffle on smackdown but he definitely would have been lost in the shuffle very quickly on raw uh, so I'm glad to see him there, and obviously I think the highlight of uh, of uh, the the NXT call ups, Shinsuke Nakamura coming to SmackDown, um, interrupting the Miz with his entrance, and just in Ooh, one. Before we get into that, can we talk about how good that Miz robotic John Cena thing? Oh, was? it's the it's it was yes. the, it's the best. Great. He should do it forever. <laughs> It's just so good. And and Maurice as well. Like she's it's it's Paul Heyman head and shoulders number one as like valet slash manager slash non wrestling personality to the point where I think that in the Wrestling Observer Awards or whatever PWI awards too, they should just retire Paul Heyman from that category because Maurice is number two right now in the business in terms of people that don't wrestle that I just absolutely love on the mic. Yeah. She's great. Um, 
But Nakamura coming up, uh, I, I thought this was a really, really cool moment. And debuting him with the uh, the, the violinist playing the, the, the long intro to his song, I think in one five-minute segment there, you've already made a guy who could easily slot in at the very top on SmackDown. And if, as it looks like it might now, uh, SmackDown will hold on to AJ despite all the rumours, um, a, 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 like a world title mix that has Nakamura and AJ Styles and it sounds pretty good to me going forward for 2017 on SmackDown. Barry? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, I, I thought it was very important in this post-mania um, uh, season to, you know, SmackDown's its own separate entity now, so it should have its own SmackDown after Mania. Yeah. Um. Uh, so the Nakamura thing was cool. It was like, hey, everyone, this is as important as the Raw. And uh, it could, sometimes in, in, in the uh, the years of the brand split gone past, SmackDown would kind of get shafted. It was kind of like the oh, stars yeah. would be pillaged and go to Raw. And in yeah. exchange, SmackDown would get some talents, but they weren't main event level stars. They'd have to they'd have to work for everything. Everyone would have to be built up. That that really wasn't the case here. You know, obviously we haven't seen the actual draft yet, but I I think the superstar shakeup will be generous to SmackDown tonight. Yeah, I have a list here of, of guesses, but yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think the the scene should be pretty damn healthy going forward, and I think the shows should be pretty balanced uh, heading into the new year in terms of just sheer you know talent. Yeah, in terms of the the SmackDown shakeup here, well, I, if all rumors are to be be believed, Andrade Cien Almas will probably show up. He'll be the last kind of NXT call up for a little while. Um, yeah. And I, I've been, I think he started to really figure it out as a heel uh, in the WWE style. Uh, I really was cold on him for a long time in NXT. Uh, but I think he started to get to grips with things. Um, and you may as well call him up to have another decent hand there in the mid-card. Um, but the looking at some of the booking um, that was going on on Raw and where things might be headed and kind of some things I hope as well to make SmackDown a really solid show going forward, uh, I just kind of quickly compiled this list here of uh, Charlotte, I think, is, is pretty much a, a lock. It seems like they've pretty much written her off Raw. Uh, and with Alexa coming over, that's kind of the the trade you you would think you would make. Um, I'd also like to see maybe Sasha go over and turn heel, and get her away from being Bailey's best buddy. Um, I but that's that's kind of a just a, a hope rather than a, an actual thing that's going to happen. Uh, I'd like to see the the club go to SmackDown. Um, and Carl Anderson was teasing that today because he posted a screenshot of a, a singles match he had with Nakamura a couple of years ago. Um, and getting him get like the most interesting they were before they were completely buried was uh, when they were still with AJ. Um, so that might revamp them a little bit because Lord knows nothing will really uh, ruin AJ for most people. Um, I I also think Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are both probably coming over. Uh, Owens, you'd say almost certainly with the Intercontinental title having gone to Raw, that it would make sense the US title would then go to SmackDown. Uh, and then we get into kind of um, what I really wish, and that's that they keep they, they trade back The Miz, like that one time that uh, Cena got traded between both brands on the same show. Just bring back Miz. I don't care who it, what it takes. Miz is a real loss to that show. Uh, once they hold on to AJ and then trade Ziggler to NXT for just about any warm body they have down there, and then I I think that the uh, like the the one last rumor that hasn't been kind of delivered on yet is uh, New Day going to SmackDown, 
Um, that was the one that we heard of a lot, and that wouldn't necessarily do it for me. Uh, I wouldn't be like super psyched for <laughs> SmackDown's tag division all of a sudden, but at least they're at least they're big stars, and it would it would you know they're big merch sellers and stuff. It would show an intent to make sure SmackDown uh, keeps parity with Raw, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but any thoughts on anyone you'd like to see on SmackDown, guys? Uh, shoot it to Jack first. Is that would those kind of be the similar names to what you'd have, or is there anyone else you'd like to see go over? Um, yeah, I, I, there's no one else really. I I think the issue is that who would you immediately book to face Orton for the title? Uh, well, it's going to be Bray Wyatt at Payback, so you have um. Three but Bray f- moved, right? Yeah, but they're still like Bray in his promo saying he's on Raw has still said that on this Raw exclusive pay per view he'll still be having his world title match with Randy Orton. I think the the tease being will that world title go to Raw, but it it won't surely. Um, so you have a couple of weeks to position somebody, presumably AJ. Um, but I don't know. But then who's a face and who's a heel in that like? Well, is Orton the heel? It depends on whether you are somebody uh, working for WWE or somebody watching it on television. Because I, there's no way that a crowd, uh, like a, a hot crowd, is going to boo AJ Styles because he's just so damn good. But they, uh, yeah, you can't. But they like having Randy as a babyface at the moment, so that's probably the case. He just isn't though, is he? Like, no, even he's just you a natural his, dickhead. You look at his face and you just think, ah. Oh. I bet he's the sort of guy that, like, he walks out of the toilet without washing his hands, just, <laughs> just for the sake of touching everyone's stuff. He's he's got that he's got that Austin Aries as a babyface thing of looking at him being a babyface and going, "This'll never last." You know, yeah, his, exactly. his natural, not so nice qualities will come out eventually. Um, Barry, anybody you'd like to see come over to SmackDown as well? Like you said, you're you're more of a, much more of a SmackDown fan than a Raw fan. Is there anybody you'd uh, you'd snatch from Raw? Yeah, I I would like both Owens and Zayn, but I'm also kind of intrigued by the idea of keeping them apart. Um, uh, uh, you know, although I I, I feel bad saying that because I would I would love Zayn on SmackDown, but I, yeah. you know I feel like Owens obviously with the title is going. Um, Charlotte. Uh, I think would be necessary. They need another woman though as well because the SmackDown's pretty light. Yeah, that's um, my my guess was uh, Sasha, but um, I don't know. I would like Asuka. actually or 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 Emma. I was going to say Emma. Yeah, I was going to say because they have lots of baby faces. I would I would pop uh, Emma and Charlotte over. That's that's some nice depth you have there. Uh, in terms of men, oh, I don't want to just say all the good people, you know. Yeah. But, um, New Day, New Day kind of does nothing for me. It's kind of a just, you know, they're good. I don't have a problem with them, but they yeah. do nothing for me anymore. Yeah. Every every month, uh, I'm just hoping this is the month that E turns on them and kills the other two. Yeah, I, I like the idea of Biggie as a singles prospect, but I don't know that, that I don't know that that's on their agenda. Not as long as they're um, still like the number two merch sellers. Yeah, and so the and the, so the other one that I I would like was I I, I would really like Rusev. Um, mm-hmm. um, because he, you know, they've they he's been all over the shop, up and down the card, you know, left, right, center, comedy, serious, everything in between, uh, on Raw. So uh, stick him over on on SmackDown, and, and SmackDown, I think they'll give him a new lease of life. Yeah, um, he needs so a yeah, world those, title. Those are my picks. <laughs> he does, and he deserves it. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, no, that's that's fair. And the, the the final point I want to talk about before we sign off here is what I think may have been the greatest two weeks of Roman Reigns' <laughs> career. Uh, the Raw after Mania, his promo where he just stood and just lapped up the vociferous hatred of that Raw after Mania crowd for a good nearly 15 minutes. And then all he said was, this is my yard now, and then fucking bailed, and it was glorious. It was the fucking best thing he's ever done. Um, pretty great. What do you think? Oh, sorry, Barry. It's pretty great. Jack, did you see that? Did you in- enjoy that that moment, that atmosphere? I mean, yeah, obviously <laughs> yeah. referenced it at the start of the podcast, but it, it was, yeah, it was pretty great. He looked really pleased with himself as yeah. well, which I liked. I think he's finally got that thing where, you know, you could tell at first when he was getting booed that much like Cena at the start of when people were turning on him, it was getting to him and it was affecting him. But I think now, much like when the light went on with Cena, he's he's starting to kind of enjoy it a bit and realize that, you know, like the, the, the old cliche that, well, at least they're reacting. You know what I mean? The, 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 the real death for him would be if people didn't care enough to make any sort of noise at all. Uh, but the fact that that crowd hated him so much, he's starting to enjoy quite a bit um, and really enjoyed that. And that led into this week when he was being, <laughs> had a sit down interview with Michael Cole and it, asking about, you know, what was it like retiring The Undertaker and such. And then Braun Strowman came in and he killed this man and he killed him to death. Jack, did you see this? This glorious <laughs> segment of the year contender. <laughs> yeah, I also saw the ambulance flip too. Uh, I mean, wow! Biggest babyface in the company, Braun Strowman. He just he it was it was one of those things. The the great comedy and joy of the segment was that every time you think Braun Strowman had finished beating him up, he came back in for more. <laughs> he, he beat him up, he threw him over some crates through a table, he came back, he beat him up some more, left him on this, like, uh, pallet on wheels that he, they, the paramedics got him, strapped him to uh, the, the, the backboard, Braun Strowman came in again and threw him off the loading dock while he was tied to the stretcher, they put him in the ambulance, Braun Strowman knocked the medics out of the way, punched him in the face again, then tipped the ambulance over. <laughs> Barry, your th- your thoughts on the greatest thing that's ever happened? Well, I <laughs> I understand the fact that you didn't boom Braun Strowman for this, so yeah. yeah. And why would you, to be honest? Why would you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I I really, I I really hope, and I, I think they are clever enough to realize there was no way was what Braun Strowman did going to get booed. It was the most spectacular thing I've ever seen in my life. I fucking howled laughing the entire time. It was... All it needed was, like, the Benny Hill soundtrack underneath it, and <laughs> <laughs> just ten, ten stars. All it needed for his to come in at the end and, like, with his own bare hands, burst the tyres of the back of ambulance they had for him, and then just pimp off into the horizon. Or as I, someone else on Twitter, I really appreciate it, said, because he was rambling around on the Raw, if just as he had finished off Roman Reigns, and Roman Reigns is finally getting carried off, the drifter just wandered by in the background... Because <laughs> he had been I, uh, wandering around in the background on that show. Or like they have the post 
they? They, they like the talk. Is it talk and raw or whatever? Raw so talk, like they just yeah. show live. They raw talk. They have live footage of like Roman Reigns being taken into a hospital, <laughs> and it then just explodes. Yeah, <laughs> like Jason Statham at the start of Fast <laughs> and Furious Seven. With it, everything is exploding. Within minutes, someone had already done the gif of uh, Braun Strowman as the tree that Homer's ambulance crashed into. And then he come, goes off the cliff again. It was good stuff. That is quality. I've uh, not seen that yet. Final thought here uh, for the the kind of whole WWE fair, uh, WrestleMania Hall of Fame, all that sort of stuff. I'm gonna go. Uh, are we thumbs up, thumbs down, or thumbs in the middle? I'll go to Barry first. You can throw That's in some. some you can throw in some final thoughts if you like there either. I mean, I mean, I, the funny thing about WrestleMania is that I, I went to bed after the proposal when I was watching live. So I went to bed thinking this is going to be the best show of all time. <laughs> but uh, that obviously did not come to fruition. But all in all, it was a thumbs up. You know, NXT was great. Mania, for all its foibles, I was I was a thumb slightly up on Mania. So given the strength of NXT, I'd say it was, it was a thumbs up weekend, um, you know. Yeah. Uh, all in all, it was not one of the best, but it was a, a solid upper mid-upper tier uh, mania, I thought. Yeah, uh, I, I'm a thumbs up too. Not a not a hugely strong thumbs up because I think time management is a real fucking issue for those people that they need to figure out a solution to quick smart. But uh, I was definitely a thumbs up too. There was uh, the stuff I enjoyed definitely outweighed the stuff I didn't. Jack. Yeah, same. Uh, fuck Pitbull, by the way, though. Ugh. Oh. I thought we'd get through this whole thing without mentioning Mr. Worldwide. Yeah. Oh, is that what he calls himself? Oh, it is. Yeah, man. And Mr. Jesus. International. How can what, you see that, people? The real enemy is Flow Rider. <laughs> how, how, how is Flow Rider the enemy? He, he doesn't offend me nearly as much as Pitbull does. <laughs> Pitbull has the suit game, though. It. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he looks like an NPC from Grand Theft Auto Vice City. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking he kind of looks like a jumped-up Harry Hill. (laughs) Yeah, like Harry Hill if he took himself really, really seriously. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. or like somebody shrunk Agent 47. (laughs) I think that is a good bombshell to leave this on. (laughs) (laughs) Shrunken Agent 47, Mr. Worldwide himself. Um, Look, that's going to do it for the the, the grap-up, as we're calling it, for WrestleMania 33. We'll probably pop back on in a few months as we get towards uh, SummerSlam and some things have actually happened. We're talking about it. I'd like to thank uh, Jack and Barry here for for joining me. It's always good to talk to you boys. Uh, very much appreciated. Uh, Barry, you, you are you are an active man on the the YouTube's and the Twitter. Do you have some plugs to throw out there? Yes, yeah, same as always. Twitter.com slash the Barry Lad is where I'm tweeting. YouTube.com slash Barry Murphy Lad wrapping up Resident Evil Seven playthrough at the moment. Got Dishonored two going. And uh, tipping away at Hitman as always. So yeah, catch me on those places as always. Jack, do, do you have anything to plug besides the, uh, the the greatness of Chelsea Football Club at the moment? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just off to stream Persona Five uh, for th- th- three and a half seconds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> immediately, people charge into my room with batons and take me away, <laughs> like that guy from the United flight. Um, yeah. Uh, at Jack Lazo, if you want to follow me, uh, Eden Hazard is great. 
Brilliant. Uh, cool. And I'm at Dave Ryan IV on the Tweet Machine. That's going to do it for the grap up this time. Thanks, guys, for joining me on the show, and we'll talk to you again somewhere down the road.